Hello, Potter and Hellions. Welcome. Damn, wrong podcast. Hey, this is Steve from the Potter Than Hell podcast. Welcome to the show. This is the Shout It Out Loud cast. But before we get going, I want to ask my guy something. BC, are you feeling low with no place to go? Yeah, and I'm thinking I'm going to scream. Hey, BB, do you recall Days in the City? Yeah, and I think back, oh, what a pity. And hey, Dylan, do you feel uptight on a Saturday night? Yeah, man, my heater's broken. I am so tired. Well, I'm going to throw another log on the fireplace and listen to the Shout It Out Loud cast. Oh, yeah. Steve, stand by my side, and I'll be next to you. Oh, God, shut the fuck up, BC. Salutations, welcome to Shout, 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 Shout It Out Loudcast. Don't turn your radio dial, you're in the right place because the album review crew is back with episode number 26. We are calling this one We Need Some Lahu. We have some 10 second triggers, we keep our motor clean, and this is Hollywood Nager because my blade will be red after this album review. Tommy, Zeus, Happy Festivus! Wow. You know, what a wonderful way to celebrate the spirit of the season than by talking about an album with a pentagram and shouting at the devil. I mean, when you're, when you're talking about the reason for the season, it is shout at the devil, right, Zeus? Yes. And <laughs> what is the, um, who is the character, the grouchy uh, Santa Claus guy what's his name Krampus Krampus oh, I, th- I, thought yeah, you, I, th- I thought you were talking about Tony I think, he, I think he's the <laughs> the lead guitarist of the band we're gonna discuss oh geez oh. there's gonna be plenty of talk oh, on that that fucking guy I got we got play we got a lot of we got a lot of talk about here <laughs> yes he but is let, let, not what you would call a handsome man no no and by the time everybody will hear this let's let's get our you know our holiday greetings you know Hope everybody had a nice Christmas because by the time you hear this, it will be after Christmas, but before oh, yeah. New Year's. Yeah, 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 you're right. So happy holidays to everybody. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, like I said, s- celebrate with you know, God bless the children of the beast, right? I mean, <laughs> play the play this with your family where you're drinking your eggnog, you know, <laughs> all that good stuff. <laughs> well, it is kind of it, it does go with uh the holiday spirit because there's that 
fantastic meme of Vince Neil from as the bubble from Rudolph. I want to attack Yukon Cornelius from, from the mountain. I love that picture of one that someone sent out and made it seem like it was Vince Neil. Stop sending me this shit. Yeah. There's a picture of him side by side of the abdominal snowman. Oh, then you, then you look when, when you look up when artists fall for that though. Like it happens to Wolfie, it happens to Paul. Oh, like when they fight back, they're just asking for it. Like leave it alone. Yeah, we talked about that in our text group. Wolfie has gone to the uh, pandemic Paul school of t- Twitter bitching. <laughs> it's just brutal. But that's a whole separate yeah. story, right? Yeah, maybe some year we'll get into one of his albums. Well, perhaps his own, yep. his only yep. album. Yeah. Yep. So, um, as always, we like to go back and it's been a while since we did our last episode and we did, uh, it was my pick. It was rainbows down to earth. Yep. Um, we did a poll about an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) We were scrolling back. I'm like, shit, I think we forgot to drop the poll. Uh, hold on, Tom. Let me, let me vote before you do it. I was going to say the same thing. Let me vote. I don't think you guys are going to skew it at all. Well, maybe since it's probably four votes already. Oh no, no, no. Actually, you know, pe- people love people love to vote. People love to vote. Um, but a- as expected, you know, no surprise since you've been gone. Uh, the, the runaway leader right now with 61 percent and then all night long. The other the other hit off of that 24 percent and then danger zone lost in Hollywood. The two deeper cuts that that we liked amongst the the, the three of us. Those are kind of fighting for third and fourth place in, in, in the single digits there in terms of the poll. Um, our good buddy Kevin's on fire, a.k.a. Kevin Northern, uh, just commented um, a few minutes ago and said, all night long, that riff and chorus rock harder than anything on this record, in my humble opinion. So he likes that song. Um, yeah, we got a lot. We got a, that's a, our comments a, for the week. <laughs> yeah, no, there's actually there's actually a, a pretty decent amount of people talking about this album. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. N- not all of it's good, but not on all the of poll, it's, that's all we got. Although, oh, yes, yes, you are correct on the poll. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's our backup plan? Because this next this album that we're doing today, what if there's not four good songs? Oh, stop. You're so you're so full of shit. You're so predictable. I, I know where this you're is so going. predictable. This I album, know where this is going. This, it's this going to be album, ranked. It's going to be his number. It's going to be his number one album. I know. I will tell you this. In my opinion, this album, we're going to have the hardest time going top four songs. Nope. Oh, I I, I will. Not even close. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to have a very difficult time putting up the four songs for this album. Very, very difficult. Very. All right. So let's get into. Let's get in. Let's talk about Rainbow for a little bit. Let's talk about some comments here. Uh, Our buddy Joel Hoffman. Uh, says, I never went any further with Rainbow than the radio play. Some of the deal was okay, as well as the Joe Lynn Turner era. Stone Cold was always in early MTV rotation. I don't hate this album. It was okay, but I never liked Since You've Been Gone. Something about it just always annoyed me. Okay, well, I don't know. Okay. Uh, let's see. Twisted Kister. I was fully ready to file a petition for the removal of Sonny Pooney oh. for his Blackmore takes. But he earned at least another month of good standing after he came to an immediate defense of the last couple of Warrant albums. Oh, my God. There you go. There you go. That is embarrassing. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, you shit on Richie Blackmore? You know what? You're okay because you like the sixth Warrant album. (laughs) No, the eighth is better. Oh, the eighth. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
And we got something from Gambit Angel, and he says, this must be a, another Poonie Burner account, because, you know, oh, here we go. Oh, yes. He definitely. Says, yeah, here we go. Because he says, Richie Blackmore is the Webster's Dictionary definition of overrated. Oh, <laughs> there you go. That's him. That's him. Uh, let's see. We got it. Uh, let's see. Our buddy Daryl Albert. Uh, he's talking about rainbow. Then he sends us like one of those flow charts, which is, which is pretty cool about all the, all the band members and how they've branched off into like, you know, deep purple and white rainbow snake. and different incarnations. Oh, yeah. So that Black was actually with kind of... right snake rainbow. Yeah. You yeah. could do so, that all day and play around with that shit. Yeah. Alcatraz. Pre- oh yeah. Yep. That was pretty cool. John gross. Wow. Great record. Can't wait to listen. Max English. Firstly, Richie is God. Second, this album is bad. Third, Graham doesn't fit. <laughs> And fourth, this album is bad. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, save rock and metal. He says, as Tom read, another shitty album from an irrelevant band. That says it all. Well, I never said that about this album. I never said that about Ray. I, I like think you may have said like, we might be doing another shitty review on a shitty Oh, okay. Maybe I was talking about Poison. In general, they, they, I don't know. Poison, Poison's the monthly beatdown boy for <laughs> yeah. ARC. Uh, Jeff Reynolds, great album. I'm going to get ripped for this, but here it goes. Rainbow Recordings, Crush Deep Purple. Oh, I agree with that, Jeff. You're not going to get killed. I, I, I don't like Deep Purple at all. Uh, that's, but, a t- that's a tough statement. I don't Have like you, Deep Purple. Okay, would you say this? Like, I say I don't like Rush, but I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I've only heard like five or six songs. Yeah, I've heard of, I've heard of, I've heard, heard, you've heard, heard a of lot Deep of Deep Purple. Purple. Yeah, it's just, it, it's not bad. It's just not. It's just a little bit light in the ass. It's just not a lot to it. <laughs> you just a little just, bit fat in the ass. Yeah, there's just not a lot to well, it. Well, if you go back to our text group, that's all solved. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's that's a good point. That's true. What I'm thinking uh, is like it's like Black Sabbath for me. Well, yeah, I like Paranoid. You know, yeah, yeah. Iron Man's good. Eh, sweetly, eh, I, I don't know anything like, else. I, I, I'm just I don't big, know it. Yeah, I'm just not yeah. a big fan of the sound of Deep Purple. It, it's 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 hard rock for the era. It's just not. It's not bad. It's not. It's not. It's, I don't hate it. I just don't go out of my way to listen yeah. to it. But yep. uh, I've listened our, our to good buddy West, six. I'm, I'm sorry. Go I've ahead. listened to six. I've listened to six Rush albums in full. That's a lie. They suck. That's a lot. There's they no suck. way you've ever listened to a full Rush album. Have Dude. done. Ex-Holder. You know what it is? Had to do it's it. The MTV Rush that I can't. I've seen some videos that are so horrendous. They're hilarious. That, they're they're fucking, terrible. Roll with the bones is a horrendous song. Terrible. What's terrible. that song with the chick from Till Tuesday, whatever that name oh, is? Oh, God, that's a tie. I hate that song. What is time that? Stands, time stands what, still. What, what is that in the Dude, middle of Getty the song? Getty Lee has, like, the ponytail. He looks like <laughs> Lady Hawk with that nose. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then then that girl starts singing. It sounds like fucking a Bjork song. In yeah. the middle, I'm like, what it's the bad. fuck is this? This is not hard rock. Well, no, I will t- I will tell you right now that that er- that mid-80s era of Rush, I do not like at all. It's all synth. Okay, so I'm not it's crazy. That's synth. But that's what I've seen, and yeah. I'm like, oh my god, this yeah. is—it's like the, they're unmasked. Ever. Well, that's the problem with Rush. '70s Rush is not '80s Rush, and it's not '90s Rush. It's—it's it's, well, it's maybe like, that's a good thing, right? They right, change, right? Exactly. Uh, a good buddy, Go ahead, Sonny. Beach. Wait, wait, wait! I'm waiting for him to make throw in a comment. Go ahead. Thumbs down. It all sucks. <laughs> Wes says, "All right, finally a classic rock album." I had to slap on some Man of War after that bad English show to cleanse the palate. <laughs> Somebody slapping on man of war. That that is, not, and then our buddy Steve responds with "Man of War" is always a good choice. No, it is not. It is never a good choice. David King, this is bottom of the rainbow pile for me. Like all night long, and since you've been gone, but that's it. 
I'll give it another listen, though. Uh, Stanley lives for you. Finally finished the episode. Tough one to get through, except for Kiss and Zeppelin. Music from that era is not good. This album is a good example. The songs are blah. The music is blah. The singer is blah. Wow. Music from what era? The 70s? Yeah, that's that's (laughs) wow. That's an interesting one. Uh, And here comes our favorite Twitter handle. Dizzy Dean's picket fence teeth. <laughs> oh, poor Dizzy. <laughs> he whoever, says, whoever thought of that is a fucking genius. <laughs> and he says, great pick. First of all, he says, great pick by Special Ace. What is that, your nickname, Zeus? I don't know. I don't know. He says, I would talk shit about Blackmore's teeth, but that motherfucker never <laughs> smiles. <laughs> looking Dude. forward to he goes, I'm looking forward to some teeth talk when you do a motor ad album. <laughs> Dude, who the fuck are you? You need oh. to make yourself known, whoever you are. Oh, that's can just you, too good. Can you repeat the Twitter handle one more time? Did he deems Picket fence team. Dizzy Dean being who? Uh, who is Dizzy Dean? I don't even know who's. Where's uh, he from? Oh come on, Brittany He's Fox. The lead singer of oh, Brittany Fox. Fox. That's right. That's right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm laughing right now. Oh my, my brain's god. hurting. Oh my god. And then we and then our good buddy Mike Shue, fellow Pantheon guy. We used to listen to Mike Shue on uh, WAF in Boston. Rest in peace, WAF. Mike Shue is a big fan of this album. It says great fucking album. Love it. Um, Kevin's on fire says, do you think Richie smiles when he's playing his loot for the hobbits? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's into this medieval shit now yeah. all of a sudden with his uh, wife. Steve jumps in again and says he prefers the Ronnie James Dio era of rainbow. Yeah, mo- mo- most people do. That's okay. Um, let's see. Tim Lynch. I just listened to this yesterday. I think this album has rainbow's best musician lineup. Wow. Uh, Arthur Smith, brilliant record and all time favorite. Wow, yeah, that's that. He, that's probably a correct statement. Best with musicians, all, yeah, yeah, with the drums, with because that's the last one where they have Cozy Powell. Cozy on. Powell, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It, is Richie still in the band? Oh, shut up! Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> no, they <laughs> dropped him for fucking CC Deville. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Dan Ellis, Deep Purple is one hundred percent better than any Rainbow. This feels like every shitty spinoff from a classic tv show wow okay okay uh and let's see we got uh jimmy theodore says i'm gonna rank the rainbow singers dio turner doogie the maid dio's mom doogie's cat and bonnet (laughs) oh my god i've never listened to doogie fucking guy unbelievable he's all right he's and that's and that's what we got for twitter all right Uh, zeus what do you got for facebook well, before I go to the book of face, Tom, oh, yeah. I'm going to go to our Instagram page, which uh, has a few comments here. Okay. And uh, I'm just going to read these rather quickly. Fat man on guitar. We know him oh, yeah. very well. Yeah. My favorite rainbow album. Wow. Uh, Pass to independence. An mm. underrated rainbow album, but not a patch on Dio's rainbow albums. Uh, Melander Phillip. Great album. I've seen Graham Bonnet, Joe Lynn Turner, and Rainbow Live at Sweden Rock Festival. 
Lost in Hollywood is my favorite track. That's our buddy. That's that's Philippe, Philippe Melander from Facebook. Okay. So he must have his name. He must have his last name first on Instagram, but that's Philippe Melander. He interacts with us a lot on, on our regular Kiss episodes, too. Over on our Facebook page, I'm going to zip through this because there's fucking a ton of shit here. Which our buddy, nice Jack Benacchio. <laughs> Great album review. I always felt Rainbow is a band like ACDC. You love the band, but with who? Better with Bond or Brian? I'm a Debo, a Dio Rainbow guy. Can't wait to hear the other lead singer's reviews. And then he put on, which is hilarious, to go off of your Bing Crosby comment, he put oh. the YouTube clip of the family guy. Oh, God. With, with Bing Crosby, where he starts beating on him because it's a very well-known fact, I guess. Everybody's favorite fatherly or grandfatherly figure, Bing Crosby, Used to beat the bag out of his kids. Badly. Yeah, he was a bad man. I think they all committed suicide. Like, at least two or a couple of them did. Yeah, he uh, was a bad man. Yeah. It's like that that old saying, oh, I'm going to beat him like Bing Crosby's kids on Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Who's playing with White Christmas? <laughs> Fucking Jesus. Uh, Scott Donaldson. Enjoy these episodes, guys, even if I'm not a fan of the band. Favorite moment from this episode was the you make me rock hard moment. Tom revisiting The Walking Dead. I'm with you, mate. Lost interest after about season six. Sonny's pick of Brewster's Millions was one of my favorite movies from the 80s. Mm. All right. Andy nice. Jordan. Love this album. Saw Rainbow on the Down to Earth Tour in 1980. Oh, awesome. Steven Wood. Oh, yeah. My favorite <laughs> Rainbow album. Bonnet Rules. Uh, Valentin Del Bosque. This was my discovery of Grand Bonnet and one of the best by Rainbow, in my opinion. Uh, Michael Anderson, not a big Grand Bonnet fan, more until JLT and Dio. But I found myself liking a few of these songs. I'm going to pick up the deluxe version. And I'm like, yeah, if you find the deluxe version, let me know, because it's over 200 bucks anywhere I look. And he's like, oh, I actually have it. Didn't remember getting it. Lucky me. Fucking great. Sonny's asking for the deluxe version. It has less songs. Yeah. <laughs> Neville Thirtle, great album. Nicholas Ray, Roy, great album. Uh, Mike Reese, am I the only one who thinks Paul ripped off the vocal melody after he sings the chorus in Who Wants to Be Lonely from Since You've Been Gone? Or am I just hearing things? Mm, eh, I mean, you could say, eh, I, I think that's a reach if you really wanted to hear it. You probably who could, but I don't, know, I don't know. Who wants to I don't, be lonely? I don't know. Nah, that's the chorus, though. He's talking about the verse. I don't hear it. No, not really. No. Ooh, you look good tonight. Yeah, that's not since you've been gone. I don't get it. All right. Um, Peter Philip Sneesby. I wish Grand Bonnet's band would perform this album in its entirety. LP Sterlino. Who's the dog owner at 132? A dog barks. I'm guessing Tom. 
That was me. I totally remember that episode. My dog and, and, I, and I'm in a room with the door closed and I have a 20 pound puppy who barks like Cujo. <laughs> as long as he doesn't bite like Cujo. No, he doesn't. He doesn't bite. No. Uh, Ron Moore. This tour was my first rainbow concert. First time seeing Richie live. Uh, Joe Nagel bought two copies, one for my girlfriend and mine was on clear vinyl. Uh, wow. Brian Cruzel. Grant Bonnet is badass. The only version of Rainbow I like, though I always wow. wondered if the Dio song Rainbow in the Dark was about Blackmore. It was. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Did we hear? Uh, I, I saw a recent article where, um, uh, who was it? The guy, uh, what's his name there? The guitarist, Black Black Sabbath, fucking Tony Iommi. Was oh, singing. Tony Iommi. Yeah. All, all, all he wanted to do was sing songs about Rainbow when he came into our band. Uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, Leo Phillips, Graham done rainbow a big favor on this and brought them to the masses um lucky islam the greatest sergey lapot my favorite ted wow. benoit i have this on vinyl jack lacroix if i if i sell the original vinyl how much do you offer <laughs> apparently oh, we're sh- ebay <laughs> um over on loudcasters tom jason warden Another entertaining episode. I was excited for since I don't know much about Rainbow besides the hits. Saw Bonnet play with Ace a few years back. In addition wow. to his smoking bass playing wife, I thought he was great. Didn't know all night long, but man, it was a killer live. Your review was good, detailing the like and dislike, which I fall in the middle. I think Bonnet shines on this. I actually wish he had more Rainbow music with him. Looking forward to Elf fronted rainbow review in the future <laughs> also, be coming soon yeah also awesome here zeus is a george Strait fan texas best gift to real country music and then i got into him about country music but we don't need to die michael murphy puts a meh comment which i fucking blame sunny pooney because i see that more and more on the internet every single day with yeah. the meh oh uh craig milo love this album when i have a spare 150 minutes to listen to the pod. I hope I can learn how anyone can talk three times longer than the actual record play time. That's what we do. You guys are good, but really? Yep. With that good. Yes. Matt Wallace. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Swell episode kids. Deep Purple is easily one of the top 10 greatest bands ever. Oof. Richie Blackmore has created some of the greatest riffs in rock history. Maybe try to dig a little deeper than smoke on the water and this less than stellar steam pile of dog logs that you've reviewed. That being said, the hit single on this album is very, very good. Richie Blackmore is better than Jimmy Page, Tony Iommi, and Pooney's taste in women. Bridget Fonda, I want to kiss her in the pisser. And then, that Bridget Fonda thing will never leave us. He nope. will not leave. I swear to God, that boy will be talked about oh. here forever. Yeah. First of all, can we just back up very quickly? Richie Blackmore is better than Jimmy Page. Ooh. Many people think that, Tom. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that many people. people. Oh, I don't agree. I don't agree with that at all. Yeah. I don't agree with that at all. But yeah. a lot of people think that. I uh, uh, no. You know, maybe if he wasn't such an asshole, people would fucking celebrate him more. Probably, uh, I agree with that. You're probably right about that. Over on uh, YouTube. YouTube. Uh, YouTube. YouTube. Uh, Devin Dungan. Great episode. Love the album and the band. 
I think that the JLT era did what this album was trying to do better, but still a great record nonetheless. It kind of bridged the gap between the two eras of the band. Can't wait for the next episode, guys. It's a good point. Well done. Anthony Stratus. Great episode, guys. As a self-confessed one-eyed diehard Kiss fan, I sometimes have no idea about the bands you're reviewing. But you guys have the chemistry to make these episodes very easy, lightheaded, and informative to listen to. Keep rocking, guys. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Nice. Patton Diorama. This and Long Live Rock and Roll are the best of Rainbow. Can the album review crew do a review of the uh, of the band Brass Against? Their show is a wicked pisser. Sonny, do you know who that band is? Not okay, a good. clue. Okay, me neither. Uh, Marty White. No boy. Who's the poet that wrote the lyrics for these songs? <laughs> Sounds like he's competing for the third rung of talent ladder with Stan Penridge. Stan Penridge. That's mean. And then finally, Mr. Antonio 2005. Yeah. First off, thank you for everyone for doing this show. I like that you were picking artists we may know or may not know, finding albums that are a deeper dive in the catalog to give us fans some exposure. The only Rainbow album I own is the first one with Temple of the King and Man on the Silver Mountain. Great album. Yep. I really enjoy that album. Now I have to listen to the latest ARC. I'm just curious, how the heck does Making Love make it higher than Danger Zone on any top eight list? Mm-hmm. Did that's we have bad. it? Did I have it higher? I don't, think I don't know. That's a bad song. I think maybe Sonny had it high. I had Danger Zone ranked top four, I think. I had a number one. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um. And that's what I got, Tom. I think you guys have a couple emails left, and you know maybe we'll get to the uh, new album this week. There you go. Sonny, what do you got, buddy? So before I get to these two emails, I don't remember where it came from, but Joe Decker sent a message that said, okay. I was dead to him for not liking Ozzy's revelation. I guess he must be catching up on um, episodes. And he yeah. wanted us to try 220 volt to see what we thought. Dude, what's that? It's brutal. Is it a band? <laughs> is it a band? band from the back of the? <laughs> oh yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. What? What? what can you compare so them, Joe? To the, what, what genre? Like, what are they? Uh, they're rock. They're rock. It's just not written well. It's okay. very whiny. It's not. It doesn't I hope it's, have. Like, I, I, I hope it's not Joe's books. band. <laughs> it might be Joe. If you're sure band, I'm sorry, but you know, hey, you put it out there. It wasn't. That's good. true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. All right, a couple of emails. Uh, first one here is from Mac Maddie, uh, down to earth. He says, hey, guys, got to say, you three do a great job. Saying that, Sonny was a little tough on Blackmore. Yes, I was. Many do consider him a legend, but he deserves the notoriety. But, and I do mean big but, this album is awful. <laughs> Let's stick to the 1980s hair metal and hard rock instead. You guys are the best. The 60s and 70s are not. Thanks wow. for what you do. Well, oh. thank you for that. Thank you for that email. But b- believe me, the, the, as oh. 2022 approaches, the expansion into the eras and genres is going to oh. continue. Dude, so. what is that's the second one that shits on the 70s. Yeah, one I don't get that era of music. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so the second email I got here is from Jerry Blackwell. Rainbow? Question mark. Really? Really? <laughs> I haven't heard the review yet, but I'm sure that I'll enjoy the conversation. But all things rainbow are terrible. Could be the most overrated band ever. I have mistakenly bought several Rainbow albums over the years and regretted it every single time. 
Deal, Rainbow is the only tolerable stuff, but even those songs can be a very tough listen. I don't remember whose pick it was, but this is by far the worst album or band you will ever review. Oh, come on. That's a no. fucking horrendous opinion. That's a bad take. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not I'm not crazy about the album, but if you, come on. That's a oh, bad that's take. That's a horrendous opinion. Yeah, that's a bad take. Sorry. Sorry. Who was All that? Right, so that's our feedback. Jerry Blackwell. That was Jerry Blackwell. He writes into us a lot. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we like Jerry, but that's a bad take. <laughs> uh, Jerry, try 220 volt. Maybe you'll like it. <laughs> Try brass tacks or whatever the fuck that band was that that guy that he wanted us to somebody wanted us to listen to. <laughs> brass monkey. There you go. Yeah. All right. Watch. I'm gonna have every 220 volt fan. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. I don't know if it's two two zero. Yeah. Every two two twenty volt fan like writing me now. I just didn't. You know. Sometimes it's just stuff doesn't connect with me. Of I'll course. I'll give it a shot I, though. Yeah. I'll always yeah, yeah. give it a shot. Dude, you exactly. have no problem shitting on Richie Blackmore but you're backtracking on 220 volt well no no no, no I'm not backtracking it might be good no, I'm not backtracking yeah. no I'm just saying say it people sucks want me and to you give... hate it and that guy's yeah, an yeah. idiot for liking it <laughs> say what you would say to us if no. I said if I said to you try 220 volt I like it that is brutal that is the worst music I've ever <laughs> no, heard I always try it opinion. first go ahead you would I always try it first so, no, I appreciate the listeners giving me stuff to try. I always yeah. try it. Yep. I got you. All right. Yeah. All right, boys. What we're doing this month is Motley Crew, And I can tell you guys this. Um, we're ending our group pick. Yep. This and is it. we've had this for a group pick. Like when we went around this, you know, and we're throwing out names. Who's a group pick? Well, let's pick this album. Motley Crew was definitely a group pick always from the beginning. We just, I don't know, for some reason, it just moved down, the moving further and further down the line. We were definitely going to get to this album. I think the the consensus was this, although I, I was fighting a little bit for Dr. Feelgood. Um, there was no I, consensus. I wanted 94. Oh, no, we were all on stop. different albums. We were all on different albums. Com- going for 94, really? Oh, that's my favorite Molly Crew album. Oh, oh boy. God. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, anyway, so we finally got Motley Crue as our group pick, uh, the last pick for 2021. And uh, what we normally do is we talk about how we got into this album and our first impression of it. Anybody want to begin? Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll start. So very, very, very vivid memories of this album, um, of buying it of being exposed to the videos of hearing it, of just loving it from the get go. Um, I remember seeing the looks that kill video. And at that time I had kind of started to pivot away a little bit from kiss because, you know, they, you know, again, 1983, I'm 10 years old. It's so funny to think about what a 10 year old was doing in 1983 as to what a 10 year old is doing. Now I was listening to, I was obsessed with MTV obsessed with, with rock. And, you know, some light metal, quote unquote, like that kind of stuff. And I remember seeing the video for Looks the Kill. And I was like, what the fuck? Wow, man. Forget about Kiss. Look at these guys. These guys are way crazier than Kiss. They got makeup and shit. They got girls and flames and all kinds of shit. And I'm like, oh, Nikki Six, man, he's he's badass. Gene Simmons took off the makeup. Nikki Six will be my new Gene Simmons. Like all that kind of stuff. Got, Got the cassette and just 
every version of this album I have had, I just beat into the ground, the cassette, the CD, I got the vinyl. Uh, it, it's just an album that has never, ever left my rotation since it was released in 1983. Um, just very vivid memories. And, you know, I, I cannot believe it took us to, to the, the 25th episode of ARC to do a, a Molly Crew album, but I'm, I'm pumped to talk about it. So. Yeah, for me, I'm starting to get into music in 84. So um, I haven't turned 15 yet. And, you know, Motley is all over MTV with Looks a Kill, especially in Too Young to Fall in Love. Um, my first concert was Motley Crue. Wow. The following year, right? Nice. So I went to Theater of Pain the following year. And, you know, between the catchy songs and the wall-to-wall women in the videos and the rebel and the party and the crazy, and it felt like every time MTV News came on, Motley Crue did something else stupid. And it was like a train wreck between all these great songs. Now, over time, I will tell you, I complain about Motley a lot. But damn it, if I have not seen them on every damn tour. Like I've seen them like 15 times, even wow. though I complain about them, they have been great live, although not all aspects of them live are great. Overall, they've been great live. So they've been part of my growing up in rock history. There's no doubt about that. They're not one of my top 10 bands. That's because, well, we'll get into why. But uh, I bought this album after I bought Theater of Pain. And I thought it was better than Theater of Pain. Like when I saw them live, I'm like, wow, those older songs come off a lot better and heavier. And it's got the crowd going than some of these newer songs they're doing that kind of feel a little wimpy compared to the old stuff. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I, I didn't get Shout until after I saw them live. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And I've had, I had the, I have the vinyl with the uh, pentagram on it. I've got like, Yep. Four or five different styles of this album. Yep. For sure. Yep. Oh, yeah. We'll spend plenty of time talking about the cover. Yep. Yeah. All right. So um, I remember the video coming out. I remember being in Brockton. Don't ask me why. In a convenience <laughs> store. And I remember seeing a magazine with them on the cover. And I'm like, oh, look at these guys. And I remember th- this is. I always would get like jealous if somebody was overtaking my band. And I don't know who they were. Yep. And at the time I liked Def Leppard. It was like 83 and shit like that. So I was like, who the fuck are these people? And then I eventually saw the video for Look That Kill. Looks like Kill. And I'm like, God, this song fucking rocks, but fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> kind of yep. like Metallica. I used to be like, they shit on my music. Fuck them. But god damn it, this fucking song rocks. <laughs> like yep. hatred towards them. So I ignored them. Um I thought smoking in the boys' room was fucking terrible. Because uh, it is. Yeah. I, I want some <laughs> horns in your metal? Um, and then I, I liked Home Sweet Home. Again, I didn't buy Theater Pain. I waited, and then I really, like, the hair metal exploded when Girls, Girls, Girls started coming out. I bought that. And then I went backwards and bought the original, the debut, and I bought Shout at the Devil. And I was like, holy fuck. This shit is fucking awesome. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. I should have gone into them earlier. And um, of all the Motley Crue albums, I've probably played this the most. I know this fucking inside out. I have very vivid memories of me 
in high school, sitting there air drumming to all this, this whole album and the guitars and rocking from, you know, knock them dead kid to 10 seconds to love all that shit looks that kill just love this. And, uh, it stayed in my collection. I got the updated version, which was the CD of the, uh, the crew, crucial crew, whatever they call it. So it has yep. a couple extra little demos and the tracks that didn't make it onto this album. Pretty interesting stuff. So I've always been a fan of this. And so I don't know. Uh, I got excited when we finally decided to pick this album. Yeah, I was actually going to pick it as as an individual pick a long time ago. And everyone was like, no, 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 that 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 will be. That will that will be that will be a group pick that that's, you know, that that's a that's a pick that that we can all talk about. Um, but, yeah, let, let's talk about the cover, because even before we started recording, you know, when we decided we were doing this album, we had a, we had some discussions on the cover. So for me, the only cover. In my world is the cover with the four faces. It's the cover that was on the cassette. It's the cover that was on the CD. And it's the cover that you that when you listen to it on streaming that pops up. Not until I bought the vinyl did I have the cover with the all black, the embossed pentagram with the Motley Crue Shout of the Devil written in red with a group photo on the back. Now on the vinyl gatefold, when you open up the gatefold, it has the full shots that were on the cover that I was talking about from the cassette and the CD from the 80s and 90s and onward. So yeah, yeah, and Sonny's Sonny's holding that up as we talk. So for my purposes of of examining the cover and, and ranking the cover, I, I, that's the only cover I ever knew. And when I bought the vinyl, I was like, oh, I'm like, this must be like some special edition or something. And, and then, you know, uh, it it just, I mean, I get it. It's cool. And the cool thing about the vinyl, from the, just I'll get take a second just to talk about the vinyl since I'm I'm holding it in my hand. Is that the the, the it, they make it look that it's it's all beaten up and rough? It looks like it's a record that's been on your shelf for thirty years, uh, which I think is kind of a cool aesthetic for it. And it has a, a different group picture in the back. And then, like I said, when you open up the gatefold, it has the full body shots um, that were then used for that 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 cover that I was that I was talking about. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store or I could make one of my new factor meals. (laughs) Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. 
Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, uh, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think we give Gene a lot of credit to have a good business mind and kiss. Nikki, he can be cheesy, but he's got a way to get noticed, right? Yeah. He's got oh, yeah. this he's got this uh talent to do things to get noticed. And one of the things, this whole pentagram thing. It had started with a band beforehand called Sister. He was in a band with Blackie Lawless. And he mm-hmm. wanted, you know, they were talking about the occult and blah, blah, blah. And and he wanted to bring some of that stuff to Motley. But you know, he shared it with Blackie. And Blackie's like, dude, take whatever you want, because you're going to end up painting yourself in a corner when you do this. Little did Blackie know that they were going to change their look on every album after that. So it didn't matter anyway. Right. Yep. This yep. is just Nikki trying to get attention. This you know, when you go back and look at this, I mean, this is pro- stereotypical 80s over the top. Like, this isn't every movie that's an 80s spoof. This is what they do. Like, this is over the top. They Funny, do this wait a minute. And when they you, put it over the top. When you go home and you want to, like, get your uh, loved one excited, you don't wear this outfit from Vince Neil? No, no, no. Because <laughs> uh, that that that's too... Uh, 
It doesn't reveal enough. Yep. He saved that for the Kiss Cruise. <laughs> that, that, I thought I saw you prancing around at three in the morning yeah. wearing that outfit. Oh my God! Now I think, I think Nikki had a great idea to get four different personalities. Right? He was obviously a Kiss fan too. Yep. Right? And we know he was a Beatles fan, so it was important for him to have four different personalities. And I think that in the end ended up working out really, really well. Yeah. Right? It was a big advantage it became a disadvantage at times because of some of the stuff that happened in the band later on but i think it's the right way to go yeah um you know it's 1983 i mean it works yeah and i it also totally think works. real quick real, real quick before we pass over to zeus uh, for, for me and i don't know how, how you guys feel about it too for me it was unique to have a platinum blonde lead singer like yeah. that stood out like visually on the album and then watching the videos it was different because you know, he's like the good looking front man singing the songs and everybody else is the badass black hair, you know, musicians. So I thought that was kind of a unique take because at that time, that you know, especially coming off a of kiss, I thought that was kind of an interesting kind of revelation in terms of visuals. And it's interesting because on the uh, on the LP, it says this record may contain backward messages. I don't think it does, but they it had every did. teenager yeah. trying to figure out exactly if there was something there. It makes you think that there's something like everybody's mind can be like, oh, I, I heard this. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Yep. yeah. And then the cup- last thing oh, I got is it feels like Kiss stole a little bit of this for Analyze. In, in what way? In, what, what do you, in what way? Just the look and the fire and the feel. You th- like they you got think- a little bit of this on Animalize. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of like that, like that apocalyptic like yeah. end of the world kind of they kissed it a little bit of that on, on lick it up the back the, with lick it up the videos and then the back oh, cover yeah. of animalize yeah. i got you there a little bit yeah you guys also forgot to mention some of the clips inside this they got the individual photos you got lyrics in here which i love yep yep when you have the lyrics in there and the single shots of the band members and just good god yep you know it's interesting stuff I, I find that the, the outfits and the get up and the, and the makeup, I think it, it's fucking stupid. I've always hated this fucking look. I don't really. Yeah, I, I, I don't it. get it. I love it. I love I it. No, it's fucking rouge and other shit. It's for that. It's, for that era. I love it. It's glam. It's glam. I love it. I think, I think it? Nikki's trying to be rocker. Yeah. Nikki's trying to be rocker. Vince is trying to be pretty boy. Mick is trying to be a warrior. And I think Tommy's trying to be sexy. I think that's yeah. what's happening here. I, I, I just, it's fucking ridiculous. I, I, I mean, it's kind of hard I for us to say this. It's kind of hard to say this is ridiculous after we were cheering for kiss for the previous eight years. Or yeah. But was, you know, but we're, we're not proud of the fucking kiss makeup from 83 to 84. That wasn't much better than this. no, no, but that I think was this is this, that was same fucking ridiculous look too i'm not yeah but i think this is it's a pass i think i think they're trying to check off both boxes they're trying to check off a little bit of glam with a little bit of kiss because tommy mick and nikki have a little bit more makeup than just your plain old you know poison or or warrant type guys they're trying to do both but i i get you're just saying i i hear you i i know it's just it doesn't work for me okay either you're fucking doing like badass makeup yeah, like something I don't know if you want to call King Diamond badass, but like you're doing something, uh, you know, like Ghost Kiss, fucking King yeah. Diamond, something like that, or you're doing like Poison, like I, I'm going to be a or David Bowie. 
This yeah. is just, I don't fucking get This it. is a little American Indian rebel. Right, the there face painting with the marks. That yeah, it has yeah, like it has like I the warrior so. marks just, of like taking your fingers yeah. and putting them across your cheeks. Like yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. not a fan of this look on crew. For me, they at Doctor Feelgood was the best look that they had. I love that era look. Yeah, that was um, cool. So yeah, any, so anyway. in the credits, there's uh, two guys credited as uh, backing vocalists, right? Okay, which they don't talk about a lot. But one of them is a guy named Tom Kelly, who was a songwriter, wrote a ton of songs, co-wrote I Touch Myself, I'll Stand By You, Eternal Flame, Alone. Yep. Like this guy was a major songwriter. But the other one was Richard Page. And you may not know who that is, but that is a lead singer for Mr. Minister. Wow. See, that's good trivia. That is good trivia. So, Sonny, take these broken wings. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and then there's some other good tidbits with the with some of the liner notes. You get Barry Levine doing the album cover and gatefold photos. Levine, but, yeah, and I'm Jerry and I'm Jerry Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> um, and anybody who's a Kiss fan knows that he's responsible for some of the most iconic Kiss photo shoots ever. Um, it was also mastered by George Marino at Sterling Sound, New York, also responsible for a lot of Kiss records in the '70s. So that was kind of cool. Uh, they thanked Doc McGee because Doc McGee was managing Motley. So that was kind of cool. Um, then, of course, they're doing their stupid 80s shit, saying that the album was recorded on Foster's Lager, Budweiser, Bombay Gin, lots of Jack Daniels, Kahlua and Brandy, Quackers and Krell and Wild Women. I don't know what Quackers and Krell is. Maybe somebody can tell me what that is, but I don't know. Krell is cocaine. I don't know what Quackers is. Okay, there you go. There you go. Um, so, yeah. And, of course, you know, we're, we're going to we'll get into more of the details in terms of songwriting and et cetera, et cetera, at that. But uh yeah, so for me, the only cover I acknowledge as a Shout of the Devil fan is the, the face cover. I mean, the pentagram's cool, but Sonny, you said it. In the 80s, you're not going to sell many copies of a record with a black cover. You need those big, bright faces on there. So, yeah, that was the right yep. move. All righty, then. Um, let's get into the specifics. Shout at the Devil, released September 26, 1983 on Elektra. It's their obviously second al- uh, studio album produced by Ton- Tom Werman, who is uh, a Bostonian, Tom. I don't know if you're aware of that. Grew up uh, in yes, I, Yes. Yep. Yep. And uh, apparently Tom was one of the guys that tried to bring Kiss to Epic and they passed. And mm-hmm. at one point, he Tom, according to Wikipedia, he uh, had a bre- bed and breakfast in Lenox, Massachusetts. Wonderful. Isn't that fancy? And if you know anything about Lenox, it's a very, very nice place to be. It's a fucking Vermont like quiet part of Mass. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's it's more yeah, it's more Vermont than it is Mass. <laughs> yeah. Uh the album went four times platinum and made it all the way up to number 17 wow. on the US Billboard charts, Tom. Yep. So yeah, that Worman story is interesting. So he was the AR not AR and A and R guy at Epic. He signed Ario, he signed Wicked Lester. Wicked Lester breaks up. Werner goes to Epic and says, do you want to sign Kiss? Because they're great. Epic says no. Later on, Werman goes to Epic and goes, I got Leonard Skinnerd. You guys got to hear these guys. Epic's like, nah. <laughs> Later on, Werman goes and goes, I got this new band, Rush. You want to check these guys out? Epic goes, nah. Tom <laughs> goes, you know what? I'm out of here because Epic is stupid. Yep. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite stories, you know, talking about background and production and stuff is uh how Nikki wanted the album to be actually called Shout With 
the devil. And at this point, you know, Sonny brought up how the pen, the pentagram and all that stuff when, in, his, in his band's sister with Blackie Lawless. You know, he was all into that kind of shit, um, you know, the, the devil stuff, the satanic stuff. Um, and there was an incident where they were, you know, Tom Zutout, who was involved in the in the production, you know, the management of with with the with the album said that they were kind of they were at Nikki's home. And that they claim that they saw things levitating and flying around and people were freaking out about shit moving and stuff. And uh, he told Nikki Six, there is no more shout with the devil. If you keep shouting with the devil, you are going to get killed. So he said, okay, we'll change it to shout at the devil. And of course, I love these kinds of excuses. He says, it doesn't say shout with the devil. It says shout at the devil. And that's why we put the pentagram right in front, because if you stand in the middle of it, the evil can't get to you. Wow. Well done, Nikki Six. But I thought well, that was kind of cool. I thought that was cool how he was going to call it shout with the devil. And you hear them when they say, oh, this is all satanic worshiping. And they're like, no, 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 no. We're shouting at the devil. Yeah. So that whole forks floating in his room and stuff. Yeah. But Lita was in the room. Yes. Lita I Ford left that part out. That's correct. Dating. Yes. Yeah, right? and Lita said she saw it too. But yep. these guys were doing heroin. I was like just gonna was going to say, yeah, please, they could have seen fucking you know, uh, you know, Buffalo Bill riding through there, and they wouldn't have fucking known what to happen. Uh, Lita was fucking drunk on cocks at that time. She doesn't remember. Hell oh, yeah, she here. was. Hell yeah, she, she was. was drunk on. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! One more thing, real quick, before we get into the tracks. So, and and. You know, I I know we we we've we talked about Sonny brought up theater of pain and Zeus. You mentioned girls, girls, girls. For for me, just before we get into the track by track, um, Motley's one of those love hate bands for me. I I I, I you know I'm not going to say how I feel about Shout Out the Devil, but you know I'll save that for the end. But I I love Too Fast for Love. I'm a big fan of Theater of Pain. I know it's a glam album. And it's it's not well regarded. Girls, girls, girls is meh. Dr. Feelgood for me, meh, the production is great. I kind of fell off of, of, of Motley Crue. I don't know why, but, uh, but th- th- their, their career for me, it kind of follows similar to Rat in a way where I love, love the early stuff. And then I was kind of like, ah, eh. saw them once in concert later on. I only saw them once. I, I missed it when they toured with Kiss. I saw them on that Carnival of Sins tour. Oh my God! What a fucking disaster that was, Sonny. I don't know if you saw that tour, the Carnival oh, of Sins tour. Oh, just, yeah. just fucking horrific, just brutal. It was so there was so much going on. They tried to do the psycho circus thing, you know, with the yeah. girls and the carnival and all that stuff. I just I wasn't a big fan. And um, but in terms of old old stuff, Motley Crue, uh, you know, I'm a bi- I'm a big fan of uh of those you know the first three. I I, I love Theater of Pain. I know a lot of people shit on it, and it, it deserves to be shit on at some point, but. I don't know. That's kind of like just my little personal story of Motley before we get into the track. If anybody, if anybody cares. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the tracks then. Let's uh, do it. First track. Yes, it's a track. Here we go. Of hell. 
in the beginning, all right. So the story's all about right. Evil has overcome good, and and Nikki writes this thing that uh, it to me it's great. I like the intro that has verbiage versus just like an ambiance setter. Now, I don't know if it needed to be recorded through the Wendy's drive-in <laughs> window, drive-through window thing like that. That part's a little weird, um, but uh, it works for me. Um, you know, I don't skip it if I'm hitting shuffle, right, and it comes up. I don't usually skip it. I think the beginning part of it as they're trying to create the, the dangerous, like it gets a little long in the tooth at the beginning. But in the end, it's only a minute something. So I say, yeah. you know what, Nikki, preach. Right. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So narrated by Alistair Fiend. I know I, when I was younger, I used to think this was Nikki talking. Um, and and you have to take this from the perspective of a 10 year old kid who at that time I was I was into I was into I liked a little bit of Judas Priest. I liked Ozzy. I love the real visual scary shit. Like I loved Kiss. Kiss wasn't visual and scary anymore. They had taken off the makeup. So I put this on, and again, back in 83, you know nothing about other than what you hear on the radio, which was pretty much looks that kill and in MTV. So I put this on for a 10-year-old kid. You're like, this is unbelievable. These guys really do. This is like satanic shit. The 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 ambiance and the scary, you know, the like the and then and then the the, the distorted voice, you know, the 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 you know, whatever they use, like I, I thought it was friggin' amazing. I still think it's fun and cool to listen to, and I think it just adds to the album. In the beginning, written by Nikki Six, so it's credited to Alistair Fiend. That's just a a character Nikki came up with. Yep. So it's voiced by engineer Jeff Workman. This is the thing that I don't stand. That's, so that's right. Yeah, you, Zeus, you are right about that. I, I, I okay. failed to mention that. Yes, go but ahead. in the in the liner notes, it says in the beginning, music Jeff Workman, narration Nikki Six. That's not Nikki Six's voice. No, on my liner notes. It's, it says Alistair Fiend, but like you said, is Alistair Fiend is a created persona? Is it a real? Is, is it no? Is it's Nikki. It's, Nikki. it's yeah. Nikki. Okay. So he just came up with that, but I thought it was. It, it doesn't sound like Nikki Six, but whatever. Right. right. Um, Nobody like, said Alistair Fiend was Nikki. He just came up with the name for Jeff. Nobody ever said Alistair was Nikki. Yeah. No, see, no, that's, no, I'm that's, saying that Nikki Six created that character. Like he just made it yeah, a name. Yeah. Yeah, right, because, and, that, and I think, and I think that's where the confusion came in when I was younger. Was that I thought it was Nikki Six's voice doing it, but but this yeah. is saying it's Alistair Fiend, who is a character created by Nikki Six. But you're saying the actual narration was done by this guy Jeff. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, it's that it was by him. Yeah, yeah, that, okay. it doesn't sound like Nikki Six. No, no, um, no. I like the wind blowing. It's a little bit of Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger kind of shit back then. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the megaphone voice, Sonny calls it Wendy's. That's that's great. It's the video killed the radio star voice. That's oh, what it God. Yeah. Like. yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> 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 oh boy <laughs> secret secret i've got a secret oh add that domo domo <laughs> add that in the ear warm for you um i got a great fun story so uh our buddy jericho did a, an album uh clash 
uh, Motley's uh, Too Fast for Love versus Shout at the Devil. And on there is Bully Ray, who the big wrestler, he has like probably the number one podcast in wrestling right now. Um, he talked about it. He's the biggest Motley Crue fan. So he had a, I had to do a promo versus another wrestler named uh, Ken Anderson. Uh, people out there, wrestlers will know who this is. When he was in the TNA promotion, they're like, oh, you got to become like, you're going to become like an evil character. You got to go out there and shoot on him. And he's like, I don't even feel this. Like, he's like, what do you want me to do? And he's like, all right. And I goes, so I just fucking changed it. And I just said everything from in the beginning. And people are like, what the fuck is that? And yeah. his friend on the show on Jericho shows like, I knew immediately what he was doing. He was like, yeah. he's like, I'm dying laughing. And I remember like, that. That was, Ooh. that was a good episode. Oh yeah. So yeah. that was yeah. a fucking great episode. Listen to Jericho's uh, album clash. Uh, uh, was it uh shout at the devil versus um, uh, too fast for loves. Great job. But anyway, yep. I fucking love that. He did that. That is hilarious. And I bet you everyone's like, what the fuck is that? Why? What? That sounds familiar, you know, but yep. I love the way that guy's voice. Like, talks don't you that's the great way he accents everything yes yep i think it's yep. fucking great i think uh the way he describes uh in the beginning but in time the nations grew weak like, yeah. i love that i think yep. it's awesome it stays it's badass yeah well it is another one of these transitions uh we were having this conversation whether we should make it one comment one uh, one album one song together with the next song but uh, I like that there is some words on this. I'm with you, Sonny. I like that they did the words and then they go right into the next track rather than fucking intro to shame and then shame, shame, shame from rat. Like that stupid shit. Like this was cool. Then it builds up and then we get this. <laughs> Shout at the devil. I mean, come on. Anthemic as anthemic gets. The groove is so important to this thing. You got the chugging riff. And I love the start, stop, and then Tommy doing the little transitions. To me, I all, I'm always hooked on that. Like, rip it out. Like, those little transition things that happen with the drums sometimes. Um, and the production on the drums is so crisp. You can hear everything that Tommy's doing. Now, that being said, you can't understand a fucking 
thing Vince is saying. You don't have a clue. <laughs> like, you have no idea. But thank God the lyrics are in the CD. And the lyrics aren't even right in the CD because I don't think when you start reading them, it's like Vince isn't singing all the right words. Like, he's just making them up as a joke. It sounds sunny. Um, sunny. It sounds like they do now with the memes where they have those YouTube videos of him singing and they're making gibberish underneath. And it's yeah, that's gibberish. exactly Because you're right, because I'm reading lyrics. And I, I don't even look at the CD. I forgot the lyrics are in there. But I always like to listen to these with my headphones on and read the lyrics. I'm like, that's not what he's saying. And I'm like, how do they? they I mean, they're probably taking the lyrics from the album. Like, there's no way these lyrics are wrong. What the fuck is this? I'm like, huh? I'm with you 100%. Yeah, I think what happens is the lyrics get written. They're sent off to the printer while the vocals are getting cut. And, you know, he can't make the melody work out, however, so he just kind of adds a word or two, and they're not going to go unprint stuff, Yeah, right? It happens every once in a while. This whole third verse is the same as the first. Uh, to me, that's always been lazy, and it happens a couple of times on this album, but the, whatever. And then at the end, the the pace and the, the music kind of changes feeling a little bit. It almost becomes a little peppy at the end. It's kind of weird. You're... Shouting at the devil, and it kind of got peppy at the end. That's interesting. On the fade out, all in all, iconic song. When I heard it live, uh, I would say the first three or four times I saw Motley live, this song was just a crowd killer. Like people, just no matter who you are. Like if you think about it, there's 12,000, 18,000 people in an arena or a theater yelling, shout. Shout, yeah. shout like you would think it's some sort of seance happening, but it's awesome. I think I, I think it's a great, great song. Yeah, I'll, I'll before I get into the actual specifics of the track, I'll say what you say, what you said earlier about the production. You know, I, we didn't talk about that. And we were talking about some background and general album information. To me, the production on this album is literally exactly what I want from a hard rock metal album. Tommy's drums are fucking insane. One of the greatest drum sounding albums ever. All you people out there that bow to the altar of creatures of the night, this shout at the devil album is how drums should be sounding. Every time Tommy hits that bass, it's like a sledgehammer to the middle of your chest. You can feel it. The production is insane. And to me, the most underrated person on this album Mick Mars's riffs and his guitar tone on this album is just like a rib cruncher every time he hits it. It's just it's it's spectacular. And starting it off with this, my God, that opening riff and that pounding drum. It's just again, as a 10 year old kid, your head is just exploding. And even now, as an old man, I, I, the song is just absolutely spectacular. And Sonny, I'm with you. One of my notes here was regarding Vince's vocal delivery and then i have written down there's too many words <laughs> he's like <laughs> it's like like what do you do like there's too he's trying to say too many things in too short of a time and, and he's saying it high pitched so the whole thing is like indecipherable so it's kind of hard to sing along which i think thank god for them the chorus is the easiest part to understand and sing along because you're not singing the verses with this band um and, and to add to what you said about how it kind of peps up at the end Tommy's adding some more to the drums. He's adding some more double bass and some a little extra there that's kind of giving it a little bit more of an uptick in the pace, uh, which I kind of like that as it fades out. 
Um, but I mean, what can you say? Shout at the devil, just anthemic as it gets. Shout at the devil written by Nikki six. It made it up to number 30 on the mainstream rock charts. The uh, opening guitar and the tapping of the cymbals. That's legendary. You know it when you hear it, right? That Chris sound. Yeah. I'm in love with this production. I love the drums on this whole album. I love the guitar. I love the sound. I love Vince's voice on this. The bass. It just Tom did did a fucking incredible job on this. Now, I can like this, and I can like bon- Bonzo's drumming, and I can like Creatures of the Night. doesn't have to be one or the other. I love them all. Different styles works. This works. Um, I find this whole fucking, like, shout, shout, shout at the devil. Like, you're right. I almost, you know, feel like it's so dumbed down for us. And when, like, other people would see, like, metalheads and stuff like that, they'd, like, they would put this on and show like a like 15,000 kids in an arena going, shout, shout at the devil. Like, yep. like parents being like, oh, my God, what's going on to our children? <laughs> like, but this song does work. It puts you into that fucking like, I'm just into the music, man. Get my problems aside. I'm going to rock out to this song. It is. It's very good. And there's a little bit of a, a little tip of the hat on the on the lyrics here with uh, Seasons of Wither. Yes, round and round with the Aerosmith little tip of the hat. But it doesn't sound like he's saying seasons of wither. I don't know what he's saying. It's it reminds me. You said it. There's too many words. It reminds me of Paul when he said, like, if I knew how hard like some of those songs on crazy nights were. Like, oh, yeah. I wouldn't have sang them that way because I knew I'd have to sing them 20 years from now. <laughs> exactly. like, someone should be like, Vince, you know, I see a future of you getting fat. And like, you're not going to be able to do this. You you're going to gonna be able to catch your breath to get these words out. <laughs> you need to cut back on some of this. You're not even hitting the words now. So how the fuck are you going to hit them later or live? You're right. Too many words. I mean, it's, I can only imagine how many takes it took to oh, do God. the songs. Oh, yeah. There's a nice little guitar solo on this. And Mick Mars does great job on this. Nothing fancy. Just kick ass like Def Leppard type guitar playing. Great. Nice, quick solo that works and melodic back into the song, um, you know, and then there's always that part, Tom, we're talking about an album from the 80s in that Bon Jovi. Stop the music. Here comes the drums mm-hmm. and the guitar and the vocalist shout, shout. Oh, yep. I, I, you got to love that. And it's coming yep. up on a couple other songs later on, too. But uh, shout at the devil. Great tune. Legendary song. And uh, I think the next one we know as well.
looks to kill. You know, we talked about mixed guitar, and I like the crunch, the great riff. You know, there's good energy to this song. The tone kind of feels like Tin Can every once in a while, but it works. It it, it makes it more garage band, punk feel, rebel. Like it, it's the it's the dirty guitar tone that kind of adds to uh, what the feel that they're trying to get. Again, a song where I think I know the drum parts just as much as I know the vocals and guitar. Like that, uh, that little accent thing he's doing. She's got the looks at kill right before it goes into the pre-chorus. It's like that. I look forward to what Tommy's doing there every time. Great guitar solo fits the song, no doubt. So you're two songs in. You're two full songs in. And I can understand why they got a mass audience. Because this stuff feels like doable by anybody, right? You get you get a guy that knows three chords on guitar. You rhyme some words nobody understands anyway. You look scary and sexy at the same time. You grab a singer that can't fucking sing but is high enough so nobody cares. And you find the drummer, <laughs> best drummer you can find. And you can be Motley Crue too. Like it's just, it's it feels so simple. But there is something there. I happened to be watching a James Bond movie a couple of weeks ago. If you speed up the James Bond theme, it's uh looks a kill. It, it is. is. It is not. I tried it at 150, <laughs> dude. It, it is. <laughs> I know you guys are going to shake your head, but it is. But great song. I love the song. All right. Looks the kill. So there are very, very few songs in my life that have been at the top of the heap since the first time I heard them. And I would say two of them are photographed by Pyromania and looks that kill by Motley Crue. Two songs I have heard for over, you know, almost 40 years, never get sick of either one of them for a second. If they come on on shuffle, if I hit them on satellite, this song here, and it's funny, Sonny, you said what I was going to say. It is one of the simplest songs. The riff is basic. The drums are basic. The choruses are basic. The verses are, ba- but the song absolutely fucking kills. You're talking about production. The guitar is just ripping it apart. Tommy is insane. And that thing you was, I have that written down too, Sonny, with my notes here, that little bridge into the chorus, Tommy is banging the shit out of that ride symbol. You can hear a ding, ding like that, just bang it. And then they get into the, the, the group chorus of she's got looks to kill. And then right back into the verse with that rip, that simple riff. It's like that hypnotic metal riff. And that's the thing about this album. So you got shout the devil looks to kill. Motley Crue became famous for being a, a sunset strip hair band. This album is metal. This album is not hair metal to me. I, I, I know that it's Motley Crue and they're a hair metal band, but the production, the tone, the lyrical content, there's really nothing hair metal about this so far. We'll, we'll, I'll decide, you know, I'll mention later on whether I think it's the whole album. But to me, this is pretty competitive with what was going on out there. I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, it, it's Metallica, Kill em All or, or, or Priest or Maiden, but this is heavy shit for 83. And Looks That Kill is just, ah, can't get enough of it. Looks That Kill, number 54 on Billboard's Top 100. I didn't know this charted. Uh, mainstream Fucking should have been 12. number one. Mainstream number uh, twelve. Um, it couldn't chart in nineteen eighty three, Tom, because uh, let's Michael see. Jackson. Uh, what else was <laughs> yeah. out back then? Probably. 
Ooh, Eddie Grant Electric <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> Oi! The rock down to electric. Oi! <laughs> I just remember a rye guy <laughs> playing <laughs> that. <laughs> demanding that gets played at a bar down the Cape. Whose was it? Was it? I don't know whose wedding. Was it Grasso's or somebody down the Out Cape? Out in the street, there is violence. <laughs> Out in the street, there was violence. And then dun, 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 dun. We go. we're going to review Eddie Grant Electric Avenue now. Oy! No, I have the fourth album. It's better. Oh, is that when he had the, the, his new keyboardist? <laughs> anyway, sorry, Zeus. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I uh, was, um, Anyway, uh, looks to kill. I know you guys keep saying it's simple. It's simple. It's not simple. Do you know how hard it is to come up with a fucking riff? That crunches like that. To me, this goes with fucking crazy train as like a riff that fucking like is just so legendary. I can't get sick of it because the riff is that fucking good. Just listening to Oh my God. It just rips. And um, I told you, I wanted to hate this band. And I heard (laughs) that song and I'm like, good God, this song fucking rocks. There's no way if you like this type of music, you can't fucking listen to this song and not want to fuck pretend you're on stage cranking out to this song. Oh my God, it rocks. Um, couple little earworms for me in the clock strikes midnight. Boom. Yep. Even in the video, he's doing it. And we'll get to that. Yep. Um, oh, I love those, the little stupid little things that I, I got. <laughs> okay. I know this is silly, but. I never understood what he was saying. I always used to think he was saying, and she's going to turn on a Jewish boy. I don't know who, <laughs> because it didn't make sense to me. He's going to turn on the Jews boy. I thought he was going to turn on a Jewish boy. I'm like, oh, she's going to hook up Gene Simmons. What do you think she had Gene write the lyrics for? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's one of those, like, what did he say? Uh, I don't know. That's what I always thought he was saying. Um, the other little quick part that this uh, this very underrated on this whole fucking album, and I can say right now, knock him dead, kid. Ten seconds to love, too fast, uh, too young to fall in love. Looks that kill, shout at the devil. Those choruses are so fucking awesome. The yep. backing vocals from the band shouting out, "Jeez, God, looks that's fucking awesome." And there's so many tracks on this album that just do it for me with that chorus very kiss like and yep. the band shouting that out oh my god yeah this uh this song is just i think this is a, a legendary track on arc for me it is agreed um, let's get to um the video for uh lick it up i mean um all hell's breaking <laughs> loose i mean um looks at kill i mean uh too young to fall in love um oh no 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 too young to fall in love Hi-ya! we'll get to that in a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and there's a there's a cameo from the kid from Indiana Jones on that one. <laughs> Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones. Short round from <laughs> We'll get to that. Let's stick with looks the kill for All now. right. <laughs> Ooh, they have torches. Ooh. Dude, what the fuck is this? I try to tell a story. It's basically like herding cats into a cage so they don't leave. So when we play for you, when you hear Vince sing, you don't leave. That's exactly. basically what it is. I, I think it's a fucking <laughs> great video for the time for the time in 83 for what was going on. 
hair metal had not become a real thing yet. I think this video, I mean, you look at it now, it's fucking laughable beyond belief. But at the time, I thought it was, it's, I think it's, I think it was fantastic at the time. The band looked menacing and evil. The, the girls, they were, you know, obviously horrifically misogynistic watching it in 2021. But at the time, it was exactly what you wanted. If I did this, Tom. Yeah. You would know that video, what I'm doing, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, the beginning of the video when the girl does the hand gesture, like, oh, oh yeah, drowning. Yep. Yep. Ah! yep, that one hand gest gesture. Um, I think it's a fucking horrible look. What the fuck is a Mick Mars? What is he? he well, he's, he's not a he's not, he's not a handsome man. No, no he <laughs> is not. And it's just they're all like the two guys, the two good looking black haired guys, the you know the brothers almost like Nikki Six and Tommy Lee. And you got the, at the time, thin, good-looking blonde guy in front. And then you get this wicked, short, fucking, I don't know, troll fucking what he is. It just, like, it doesn't work. And he's the guitar player. I've never, think of a band that the guitar player is the most insignificant on that band. Oh, I know. Yeah, no, you're right. That's what I was saying. He's tremendously underrated in general and on this album. And the other thing, Nikki's hair in this video. I think is the exact replica you see in every party store and anybody wants to dress up in the eighties, <laughs> they right. get that hairdo. Good call. Nikki, yeah. Nikki Six's hairdo from this video. Good that call. era is the perfect hair metal hairdo, right? That spiked good, up. That's a good call. Right. That's what I, I mean, that's the thing I picked up and Ooh, a pentagram. Ooh, and it's on fire. Oh, oh no. We're, we're the devil worshipers. Bad boys. Oh no. God. So did you notice the warrior queen? Did she look familiar to you? She did. And you've seen annoying. her before. Yeah. From you've where? Seen her before. Where? Yeah, I'm going to tell you. I'm okay. going to tell you. Okay. All right. So her name is I'm Wendy watching, Berry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean yeah. to, I'm sorry. When I'm watching the video, I'm like, I know I've seen her, but then I'm like, ah, maybe I'm just thinking she's just every 80s video vixen, and I can't yeah. nail her down in terms of her name. Ooh, but. Janet Gardner from Vixen. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that so ass. Her, oh. her name is Wendy Berry. Okay. She said in the interview she made 100 bucks for the video. No, no way. Okay. That's what wow. she said in the interview. But she is in Back for More. So Tawny oh. contains the main, but she's the other one that's sitting at the like bar there and yeah. then she jumps in the car with Bobby. She's the other one. I'm back for more. That's the nice. only two things she ever did. Weren't nice. they, weren't they, wasn't Motley Crue in that video too? If I remember correctly. Yeah. 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 In the video for back. Yeah. They passed yeah. her around. Oh yeah. Yeah. She, she, <laughs> she was in a cage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you love how the solo, they never show Mick, the guitar player solo. They don't even show the guitar player. They don't want to put the camera on him. They're like, God, even we know he ain't a good looking guy. Put it guy. on his hands. Show him he's playing a fucking kick-ass solo. Put it on the jungle warrior chick. Put her in that no fucking one. bucket. Yeah. <laughs> put her in that gate. Uh, the other thing is, how, how legendary is this? After the guitar solo, the Tommy Lee drum, and then the fucking twirls in his hand. I was always like, dude, that is the coolest fucking thing. And it's just going around with the beat and just like twisting the drum sticks in his hand. Just going. I'm like, dude, that is the coolest fucking drummer for all the shit you give that people give Tommy off the stage. He is fucking one of the greatest, one of the greatest. And he makes it look so easy. And you're right, Zeus. When I see drummers doing that, I'm like, how the 
A, how are you doing that? And B, how are you doing that in keeping the beat of a metal song? Oh, like, my it's God. Fucking awesome. You know who else used to do that? That fat squid looking guy from Billy Squire's band. Yes. In oh, all yeah. His videos. That yeah. fat guy looks like a squid. Yeah, that was probably easier doing it during like a song like The Stroke because a song is so slow. Yeah, yeah he could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He would but do Tommy that Lee. Oh, and plus, man. we didn't even get to the part where the fucking guy was banging Tom. Uh, what banging himself? He Bang was him. banging Pamela Anderson and then rocking the fucking boat horn with his big Greek cock at the same time. <laughs> Dude, that is the ultimate. Like every guy is like. That is so fucking cool. Like, I think he got his video <laughs> stolen on purpose. So people can be like, dude, the guy, look is, at this. The guy is honking <laughs> the boat horn with his heart on. Yeah. That is fucked up. The guy had a third drumstick, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mickey. And then, um, Tommy, excuse me. And then uh, the spikes at the end. Wasn't that in the Flash Gordon movie? Never saw the Flash Gordon movie oh! thing. I, 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 I know the movie, but I never saw oh, it. The yeah. campiest movie of the 80s? That's that's probably why I never saw oh, it. Oh, my God. With the chicks, the hottest spankable chicks in that fucking movie. Spankable? Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Those chicks are hot. You oh. guys, I, I know there are Flash Gordon fans out there. They'll be like, oh, my God. Ming's daughter? Oh! And they all have these <laughs> tight outfits. On. Oh, my God, that shit was bankable. And then oh. they end up with the fists in the air and they turn into a pentagram, Tom. Yeah, it was pretty wild. I love the video. At the time, it was great. Wonderful. Anyways, now we all got to calm down and uh, put on fucking Flash Gordon. You bastard. You're next. Okay, so Bastard picks up the pace a little bit, right? To me, this one is a little more Priest. It's a little more of their Judas Priest coming out in them. I love the riff with the guitar bending notes, harmonizing. That's awesome. Um, Back and vocals, simple. They work. We've been talking about Tommy's transitions, which are great. The song ends a little weird. I think it's supposed to be like a record skipping in the same spot. I think that's how it's supposed to come off, but I'm not too sure about that. And then really... Only crew can pull off, make it quick, blow off his head, and then, whoa-ho, ho Like, after you blew off this guy's head, you get the whoa-whoes, which is interesting. Now, it made it to number five 
on the Filthy 15. So in case you forgot what was on the Filthy 15, do it. Go. I remember I remember this list. Go ahead. Yeah. 15, Cindy Lauper, Shebop. Yeah. 14, Venom Possessed. That song's a brutal song. That's terrible. 13, Mary Jane's Girls in My House. Oh, hell yes. Yes. 12, Black Sabbath Trash. That song is trash. That's not that stupid. 11, Merciful Fate into the Coven. That song sucks too. 10, Def Leppard High and Dry Saturday Night. Oh, man. Number nine was Wasp Fuck Like a Beast. It probably should have been number one. How was that not number one? (laughs) Yeah. Number eight, Madonna Dress You Up. Yes. Number seven, Twisted Sister We're Not Gonna Take It. Horrible. Number six, ACDC, <laughs> Let Me Put My Love, love Into You. Ooh, all right. I like it. Let me put my love into you. Five was Bastard. Four, Vanity Would Strap On Robbie, Baby. Yes. Three, Priest Would Eat Him Alive. <laughs> Two, Sheena Easton Would Sugar Walls. Oh, my God, dude. Are her Sugar song, Walls. Her that sugar video, walls were the most edible in the 80s. That song and that video, dear God. Yeah. And number one, the man who ate those sugar walls, Prince with Darny, Darling Nikki Darling masturbating Nikki. with a magazine. Oh, fantastic. That's great. That's a great list. It's what a great a list. Terrible so fucking like analysis. <laughs> Who's breaking that shit down? Like <laughs> listening to like that. These are the fucking worst. Who's listening to Black Sabbath trash and be like, oh, that's a terrible song. We can't have that. Kids listen dry to that. is like a I know. fucking worst song. Like, what? I love it. Love it. Yeah. But, you know, it's a good song. I don't know if it deserved to be on this thing list. Okay. You know, Mick has said the song's about their manager screwing them over. Every 80s band had a manager screw them over. So, uh, good song, Gorolo. Yeah, so th- this is an interesting song because it's a little it's a little bit different. I remember when I was younger, songs like like the the, the real upbeat, fast tempo songs really didn't appeal to me. I, I kind of like the mid tempo, like you know, the shout out the devil looks to kill. But as the time passes on, and especially now, I think bastard. I think the song fucking rips. Um, I like how it starts off really fast, really really aggressively high tempo. Then it kind of shifts gears during the verses. Um, it kind of has like a little bit of a grind and a groove during the verse. And then it picks right back up uh, in, into the chorus. And, and you're right. After he said, after the, when the band is going, whoa, you can hear Tommy's doing a little something different with the drums. He, again, he's kind of, he's kind of introducing the kind of the double bass kick a little bit. And then he pulls back and then they kind of go back into that verse with that kind of like that sleazy groove. Um, I, I think it's a, I think it's a cool song. Uh, I, I, I like it. I, I like how, you know, they kind of pulled you in with those mid-tempo, really aggressive anthemic songs, and they kind of throw like a real, you know, kind of speed song here, and it's uh, it's a good one. Bastard, written by Nikki Six. I'm not sure if I said Too Fast for Love is written by Nikki Six. I think all the songs, obviously, other than the cover, are written by Nikki Six. I think one Vince jumped in on one of the lyrics as well. I think that was for 10 Seconds to Love. Um, the Rolling Drums to begin with, it's a fast, up-tempo song. Uh, to me, it's all right. It's nothing that I go to. Uh, I'm okay with it. Ver- real pleasant lyrics, by the way. Um, lyrics are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, 
bill real pick me up lyrics there and uh you know it's just it, it you'll see in the rankings i guess let's just say and it's hard because it's got to compete with an album full of fucking incredible tracks so to me it just uh it's one of the weaker ones anyway um let's go to the next track God bless the children of the beast. I hear a little bit hotel California in there. Mm. I hear a little bit fractured mirror in there. It's, you know, I like it. I like the piece. I think it could have been a proper ballad because it's a really good piece of music, but then they realized they have Vince Neil. So they didn't want to do that to that (laughs) beautiful piece of music because it would turn into complete shit instead. (laughs) I love the one line at the end. I think it works. I think it's, you get this beautiful piece and then you kind of end it with this kind of off the wall. God bless the children of the beast. And that's it. It's kitschy and it fits the album. So I don't have a problem with it. Oh, it totally fits the album. It, it, add, it adds to the aura that they're trying to present. You know, you get with the, in the beginning thing and then this, uh, it's interesting what you heard because when I hear this, I hear, I hear bits of "Close My Eyes Forever," uh, and then I also hear bits of the uh, acoustic intro to "Rock Bottom" from Kiss. I hear some of that, but you're right, some of "Fractured Mirror" too. Um, you know, it was composed by Mick Mars, which which I kind of thought was interesting because Mickey did pretty much this entire album. Um, yeah, it, it's good. It's weird that it's right. It's it's weird where it is on the album. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Like we've said through every ARC episode, I don't mind a little instrumental here and it's short enough where it's not too much of a distraction. So God bless the children of the beast. There are no lyrics to this one. Um, yeah, you can go with plenty of acoustic songs that we like that this could be similar to, uh, you're right. Fractured mirror. Even we've done Whale and Wasp, uh, Alice in Chains, where there's the mm-hmm. melody underneath and this melody all, all on top of it. Um, same thing with uh, Daisy STP, one underneath, one on top. I think this is beautiful. I think it fucking works. I think it works awesome. Now, to me, this is a, an, an instrumental 
that can fit on an album. Yeah. Uh, like you don't need the lyrics. It's a quick little interlude between songs and it's a beautiful little melody. It works. What I didn't want is the words at in the end, because it just now as we're older, it, it just looks fucking silly. It sounds silly. Maybe when we were younger as a kid, it's like, oh, God bless the children. We know they're not devil worshipers. They're just fucking just putting that shit out there to just say, God bless the children of the beast. Shut the fuck up, Nikki Six. Nobody's blessing the children of the beast. Like, it's just, you know, it just playing to the fucking dumb audience and writing something stupid like that. They didn't need that. I think this music is beautiful. I think they did a great job on it. And, you know, the younger me was like, oh, my God, these guys, this whole album, I better not play this by myself. I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, as we're older now, we're just like, ooh, this this fucking great music. And then God bless the children of the yes but the other good thing about this song it goes into this Helter Skelter. All right. So when I first heard this, I didn't know any Beatles stuff yet. I love the crunch guitar. I love what Mick is doing. I love that Mick's guitar is basically doing the backing vocal instead of it having kind of a backing vocal. Um, you know, and of course you need to have a real symbol of darkness and evil. So why not bring Charles Manson into the mix? All that being said, the Beatles version is brutal. It is all. Oh, it's unlistenable. Wait, uh, wait, so wait, 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 wait. The YouTube version is in much better. Oh, my God. It's so bad. Yeah, that's not good either. But, we need, but everybody needs to calm down that, oh, my God, Botley Crew made this incredible cover. They did it so great. They ripped off Pat Benatar in 1981. Benatar had already done this on one of her albums two years earlier. So everybody calm down. They just did Pat's version. That's it. I like the song. The Beatles, oh my God, that version is ballroom. <laughs> but overall, it's good. My God, when I first heard this, when I first, I, 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 you heard me, I just said, my God. Uh, my God. <laughs> my God. I mean, when I first had this cassette and this came on, I was like, this was the song I went to other than Looks to Kill. I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't wrap my head around how fucking insane this song was. I knew nothing about the Beatles at the time. I never knew it was a cover. The only thing I remember was kids out there. You don't understand this, but when you buy a cassette or a CD, you pull out the liner notes as you're listening. And it says words and music, Lennon and McCartney. I'm like, wait, I think those guys are in the Beatles. 
why would they write a song for Motley Crue? That's weird. <laughs> I don't get that. I don't understand. That's weird. Uh, meanwhile, John Lennon's dead in 1983. So I'm like, what the what, what the hell am I? You know, I don't know. I'm 10. Um, but the song is fucking epic. There's been so many covers of this. Um, you're right. Pat Benatar's is is as close to this as 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 uh, as there is. Soundgarden does a really weird version of it. I shared it with our group. It's really weird. Chris Cornell. It's really haunting and, and odd sounding, but it's it's interesting. Um, and like you said, of course, Charles Manson. You got you got a, not, nothing's more you know satanic and devilish than Charles Manson. Um, and it's funny because Nikki Six said that he wasn't a Beatles fan, and he referred to the band as fucking wimpy. Um, but he said he liked he liked the song Helter Skelter, but um, yeah, it's a it's a killer killer track on it. One one of one of the great covers ever for me. Um, so I think Sonny and you might want to have a word about calm down about how good this is as a cover, right? <laughs> no, I think it's a good cover. I think we just need to calm down about Nikki made it so great. Nikki yeah. didn't do shit for listen to a Pat Benatar album. Yeah, and her and her and her version is really her version's great. Yeah. Her, version, her version's good. Yeah, well, the you know, also Peter Chris did a great version of You Better Run by Pat Benatar. Oh boy. Uh oh boy. that wasn't so great. Oh come on, that song rocks. He does an awesome version. Anyway, Helter Skelter written by John Lennon, Paul McCartney. It was actually the third single. It didn't chart, but the drums coming in, doom, 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 and the guitar coming on. This is menacing. It's got a couple different parts. And then the the screech, and then a and then do you want me to love you? And that riff, dan, da, da, dan, da, da, dan, da, that riff is fucking awesome. I love it. It is so great. And I put on this Tom guitar, guitar, guitar. Oh god, that, yeah. It's just holy shit. Originally, Paul McCartney said he wrote the song because he wanted something loud and dirty. Because he heard that's what Pete Townsend had said when he wrote the song, I Can See for Miles. So let me do a sloppy kind of loud. Dude, I'm sorry, Beatles. You're not doing anything loud. But some people claim this was a first, one of the first uh, foreshadowing of heavy metal. Yep. Yeah. When a metal band does it. Yes. Right. Right. So I I just, uh, for me, it makes sense to be on this devil album. You got Helter Skelter, right? Blood, Manson, all that shit. I, I can't tell you how many times I listen to that fucking guitar crunch and that riff that I'm just like, holy fuck. They don't have to be thrash. They don't have to be Metallica. They don't have to be Megadeth. They don't have to be Anthrax. That's fucking heavy. And it works. And I think it is an incredible version, and especially a little bit later, because like I said, U2 did a version of it, too, that was on their fucking what a rattle and hum. Was that it? I think it was that. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, so this is what it could sound like. Oh, let me listen to the original. Oh, eh. <laughs> maybe I should have learned that first. And then, yep. you know, but yeah, it didn't work for me. I fucking love this track. It's a great one as always. Next track.
Red Hot. So, okay, story time. February 16th, 1990, Oakland Coliseum. I take my girlfriend at the time to see Motley Crue. We, you know, the, the, the floor was all general admission. It's 1990, right? And uh, girlfriend, this is two before Nicole, by the way. So we're up front. I get her all the way to the front, and we're ready for the show to start. And they start the show with Kickstart My Heart. And the crowd is going absolutely apeshit, right? It's Oakland. It's February 1990. Motley Crue is one of the biggest bands on the planet. And Kickstart My Heart is just killing the crowd, right? So I'm like, all right, things will calm down after this. We'll be good. They go right into Red Hot. I had to literally put my arm around my girlfriend and drag her out because the pushing and the fighting people were going ape shit, right? Because you go from kickstart my heart to red hot. That is a absolute killer one, two punch. Yep. So live, this thing is all, this song has always been great. Love the pace of the song. I love the double bass drums. The longest pick scrape ever in music history, probably. Figure Tommy was 100% in there. Mm-hmm. This is where I think Vince sounds the best. This is, to me, his best sounding vocally uh, song. I don't know if I need a counting lesson at the one, two, three, four at the beginning. Okay, whatever. Um, you know, we know Mick is not a shredder. He's got that bluesy feel. It works here. And that drum fill that Tommy's doing before the chorus every time that right i don't crew is what crew is to me tommy lee is by far the most talented musician in this band period right the music absolutely changes the whole field if tommy's not there here's where the drummer actually matters i'm sure there's a lot of music i listen to where joey casada could be the drummer in every band and probably wouldn't make a difference i'm not saying wow. joey's bad i'm just saying you know what i mean <laughs> Always got to take a shot at Joey, man, but Joey can't do Tommy. So there you go. Damn. The views expressed by Sonny Pooney are not endorsed by the rest of shut it out Loudcast. By the way, I can't play drums. So (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) All right. So red hot. Oh my God. The song. Holy fuck. Oh, oh, I'm just going to gush over red hot for a little bit here. The, the, the way the song, the, the opening of the song with the drums, and Sonny, you said it, that pick slide. I'm sorry, 80s metal. I love it when you hear one, two, three, four. Like the song is fucking bananas. And the fact that this is Motley Crue, like this could have been on Kill 'Em All. Like this could have been on a Metallica record with, with James singing. Like this song is insane. And the thing, one of the things I love about subtle things that Tommy Lee does to make the song that much more special to me. It's double bass, but then he pulls back off of the double bass during the verses. So when Vince is singing the lyrics, you know, he'll do he'll do a lyric and, and it'll just be kind of a regular beat. And then then I love it, too. when he's like, you know, can't you see we're out for blood? And then Mick comes in with that. And then it's back into the then the pre-chorus. And then it's just like you said, the little drum fill into the real chorus. The song is just oh, it, it's a killer, killer track on this album. And uh, it it should have been a massive hit, but there were so many other more you know mid tempo radio friendly hits. It doesn't surprise me; it didn't really become a hit. But Red Hot is just out out of this world for me. Oh, Red Hot, written by Nikki Six, and this is why we do this show. Um, <laughs> oh man, 
yeah, this sticks out in, in the opposite direction for me. It's just so fucking bad. I don't like wow. this song at all. Um, it's fast. It's it's there. It's not bad. It's just of all these great songs on here, it's not. This isn't very melodic. This is just, and this is the stuff I don't understand. Sometimes I get into this with you, Tom. You don't like Kiss doing like under the gun and shit like that, but you love this because and, Kiss's strength. Kiss's strength is more mid tempo melodic music. That's their strength. Well, Motley I think was Motley Crue can is that too. I think okay, Home Sweet Fair Home. Enough. I think Doctor Feel Good. I don't think there was a. Um, uh, looks at kill. I don't think they're fucking like going nuts. The reason I why I have fast. a problem with the reason why I have a problem with Kiss doing under the gun is because it's Kiss trying to do something that they know they're not good at. Oh, That's I think they're I, very good at it. If they wanted okay. to, they could do more of that shit. Um, you, okay. we talk about Exciter. We talk about uh, um, first track from Animalize. I'm drawing. I'm alive. I, I, um, I've had enough into the fire. Yeah, like don't songs like that. They work on that, but I feel like they got to be melodic. So red hot, my my thing about it is it's fast and it's red hot. Yeah. Red hot. It's not those fucking um backing vocals and choruses that I love yeah, on the other catchy. tracks. It's not yeah, as catchy. exactly. So it's not as melodic, it's more just fast. Yep. Um it's you can tell there's talent there. They're good at this. I some of the lyrics I don't understand. Fight for the black shark. What? I have no what? idea what that means. What's a black shark? I, I, um, I have no idea what that means. It's just, I don't know. I mean, again, uh, this is one of those albums that everything sticks out for me. And so I never got really into this track. And same thing with Bastard. I just feel like compared to these other fucking incredible songs, mm-hmm. these ones aren't as good. And they're not as melodic. And yeah, Molly can pull off melodic a lot. Yep. Okay. Um, so that's Red Hot. Let's go to the next uh, single. Too young to fall in love. Okay, we gotta admit the drum intro is a little bit "I love it loud," right? There's oh god, yeah, them, yeah, they're you know love louds there. You know, you hear the whole Benatar helter skelter thing, and then kisses copying them maybe for analyze. They're copying the video ideas. Like, there's a lot of sharing going on here, right? Yep. You hear a lot about the NFL being a copycat league. This is there's a little bit of that happening here too. Love the riff. Love the chorus, though it's simple. It's a perfect example of sometimes less is more, right? You don't got to do a ton with the chorus to make it right. Um, Vince never says love. I hear lahu. I don't hear love, 
right? So I, I don't know. That's just Vince, I guess. <laughs> we got a proper third verse, so I guess congratulations there. Um, it's a good song. I've been hearing it since 1984 over and over and over and over, and I never turn it off because it's a good, catchy song. Um, and I know we'll talk about the video. It's one of those things where I saw the video so many times that the video pops into my head every time. And anytime I hear the song, I see the video too. And that's okay. Hot for teachers like that too. There's nothing wrong with it. So a uh, good song overall. Yeah. Just an- another, another iconic Motley Crue song. Um, and I like the track placement. I like it. You have, you have the blistering red hot and then you come into something, you know, a really slower paced uh, kind of groove song here. Uh, you know, obviously the drums carry for me, the drums carry this song. It's got a nice little simple riff. Again, Mick Mars doing doing great, great work on this. Vince sounding pretty good on this. You know, I, I didn't say it on Red Hot, but I do agree with Sonny. I think Vince's vocal presence on Red Hot was kind of a nice tone for him. A little bit, a little bit similar on this, maybe a little bit, you know, higher, higher pitched on this. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the chorus too. It's kind of a little bit of a gang chorus there. Uh, but yeah, we're going to get into the video, but too young to fall in love. Just, you know, classic Motley Crue. Uh, this went up to number 90 on Billboard's Top 100. Too Young Fall in Love, written by Nikki Six, went to number 26's mainstream rock charts. It was their second uh, single released off this. The drum intro, you know, you know you're too young to fall in love, you're too fast for love, and there's 10 seconds to love. There you go. Right? <laughs> nice little solo. It's a nice mid-tempo song. I like it. Um, not you know, anything too crazy about it, but it's a good song. Want to get into the video? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) They want to be superheroes, right? (laughs) Basically, they want to be superheroes. That's what it is. Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones. They want to be be funny superheroes. The the, the video is absurd beyond belief. And I give them credit because they were so badass in looks to kill. And now they just come off as like, rip off Miyagi do karate guys in this. It's it, I think it's hilarious. It's still again, it seems like the, the fucking same director. It's like, oh uh, yeah. all hell's breaking loose. Oh, too uh, you know, too young to fall in love. It's like everything yeah. was apocalyptic and like weird shit and, and bad acting fight. Dude, the fight scenes were the so, choreography is so cheesy. It, it made it made fucking uh Kiss Meets the Phantom look like <laughs> fucking uh a Bruce Lee movie with the action scenes. I love that final scene though, with Tommy Lee just like knocking the guy out, like at the like as he's kind of walking oh, when out. He, like, when then he eats some of the, like yeah. the fucking yeah sunflower seeds and then spits them out at the fucking. I thought that book. was I, I thought that was hilarious because I could believe Tommy really doing that in real life. Yeah, he did that a la fucking ogre after yeah, drinking yeah. during the belching contest when he drinks out of the fucking the chalice and he Mm-mm. spits it all over the crowd. I love it. I love it. I think this but video is right. They're trying to be funny. They're trying to be funny, right? It's supposed yeah. to be a spoof, right? Yeah. At the beginning, totally. when the two girls are just basically checking the hair and the outfits, I thought that was. Oh kinda, yeah, I, yeah. I think Vince looks really good in this video. I think he, he looks does, better I in this video. You. I agree. Now the the David Lee Roth over the top moves he's trying to oh, do. Oh, the he's fucking walking. like the the walking sideways <laughs> on like bending his knees kind of. That is fucking. so bad. That looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like he's trying to do like the sexy little crawl, Ooh, right. and he's like he yeah. can't do it. <laughs> that yep. love is like dynamite. He's doing a JJ Walker dynamite. Ooh, <laughs> a kid, a dynamite. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, so let's go to the next one. Knock him dead, kid. All right. Didn't we hear this song already? Uh-oh. This is where I, they kind of lose me, right? I'm like, we already are you heard have, this. Like, are you having flashback? Not- are, are you having flashbacks of the tail end of Back for the Attack by Dawkins? Didn't we already <laughs> yeah. hear this song three Didn't songs we hear this ago? Already? <laughs> right? Like, Mick is not the most creative guy, and I know Nikki's writing a lot of this stuff, but it, it's starting to sound very similar. And by the way, in the chorus, when Vince is just kind of meandering. And it's not in the lyrics. He's saying, <laughs> well, it's a TKO. He's saying TKO. That's yeah. what he's saying there. I love yep. it. Um, for some reason here, the chorus doesn't work, although it's really similar to others. And I think it has to do with, I think we already heard this thing, right? Now, the story around Nikki's getting in a fight with bikers and hitting people with chains and then figures out they're cops and they beat the shit out of them and take them to jail. Uh, note to Nikki Six, if you're listening, you're lucky they were not Hell's Angels. Your ass would have died that night. Don't Hell pick fights with bikers. Yeah. That's dumb. Yeah. Okay. Especially the Hell's Angels, st- dude. Yeah. And then there's a story with it going, I guess Doc, to get Nikki out of jail, told the police that Motley Crue had a huge show and that they would give all the profits to the police under the table. And that's how we got him out of jail. And yep. Doc actually paid those guys off later on. Damn. So it's an interesting story the whole way yeah. around. This song, anytime it comes up, skip every time. Whoa. No oh, my God. What? Yep. Skip it every time. If that this song is... did not exist, I'd be just fine. Oh, okay. That, we have a first hot take from Shout at the Devil. Wow. Okay, I'm not going to argue with you that that there is some similarities going on because it's it's a riff based album and the riffs are okay. It's not is is this looks to kill? Is, did we hear this in 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 Hell to Skelter? Or, but I I don't know this that there's something about the driving force of Tommy's drums and mix riffs that make me want to keep listening to everything on this album. I don't care if it sounds similar; it's still different. 
it's not completely different, but it's different enough to keep me wanting more. And this is a, I mean, it's hard to say what's a deep cut on Shadow of the Devil, but this is a deep cut to, to the common fan out there. For us, nothing on this is a deep cut. But I think the the intro and when that riff kicks in, it it, it just does. Some, I, I, I just think it's a very contagious album with these riffs in, in the hook and in, in the tempo. And this is another one for me. And that chorus, Knock em Dead Kid, written by Nikki Six. So I'm going to go and say this, though, Sonny. Yeah, it's similar. It's the same. I've heard this before. But guess what? It's the similar and same of a great song. So yep. I'll take two great songs or three on this album that sound the same. I'd rather have that than fucking have albums that sound the same as fucking <laughs> look what the cat dragged in. Hey, all oh, these songs yikes. sound the same. <laughs> I'd rather have a song like knock them dead kid. But if you think about it though, if you take 10 seconds of love and put that chorus on knocking dead, dead kid, it would fit. 10 seconds of love instead of it's the same. It's the same. Oh yeah. yeah you can suck him dead just, kid. <laughs> she got the looks that good. <laughs> she knocked him dead kid. You know, the blade is red kid. <laughs> I love that. The blade is red. Yeah, I know. Um, why does he say um, I'm black. I'm black. I'm black. A couple times on this song. Is he black? And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do like how right before he says, I might just explode in your face. That's a good <laughs> lyric. And I'm primed for hate. Um, I'm black. Now I'm black. I'm black. I'm black. What? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he's just talking shark earlier. I mean, yeah, maybe he's just maybe it's just more references to like evil, like dark. I'm black. I don't know. Or maybe it's references to his fucking racist outburst that he did on stage that one time. Could be <laughs> that, that too. That yes. One? Oh boy. Could be that anyway, too. Knock him dead, kids. The fucking riff, the buildup. Oh yeah. It's just fucking awesome. And then Nick uh, Vince. Needs to settle down at the end with that scream. Oh, God. He yeah. ain't hitting that note anymore. No. Hell no. Anyways, don't you think he needs to settle down at the end? Well, yeah. Vince Neil needs to settle down in general. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, he has. <laughs> he settled down. <laughs> he settled down on a couch with a bucket. <laughs> with a bag of Tostitos. <laughs> with a poo-poo bladder for five. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Why do we tag these people when we do these episodes? What's wrong with them? Every episode, somebody just gets bludgeoned. <laughs> One person. And they're like, oh, let's make sure you tag him. But we shit on him for three hours. So what? Tag him. Make sure you tag Jeff Keith, even though we said he looks like the Crypt Keeper five times. <laughs> Make sure you tag Kip Winger, even though we're making fun of his ballet moves. <laughs> oh, man. What's next? Next. Let's go.
10 seconds to love. All right. So first of all, there was rumors that Vince was doing somebody while he was recording the vocals. Uh, the producer, Tom Werman says, that's a bunch of bullshit. That was not happening. So yep. we can put a pin in that. Yep. Song starts a little weird. It ends a little weird. I kind of like that. It, it starts immediately. We're pulling more triggers here. Uh, Paul already did that six years earlier. <laughs> Just want to let everybody know that. Um, you know, a song about a quickie. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I like what Mick is doing with some of the overlapping type solos. But again, you got a similar riff. You got a similar chorus. And then my problem with this song is Vince is trying to be sexy here. And as an epic fail, because that whole breakdown thing works when the backing vocals kicks in. But Vince can't sell that by himself. Like his limited range. He has no soul. He does not have the swagger of a Dave Lee Roth. He cannot sell one of these breakdowns. This song is very, like, it pulls me both ways. I really want to like the song because I, I like parts of the song. But then there's parts of the song that can't stand. So it always kind of ends up in the middle for me. God damn you, Sonny Pooney. What's the matter with you? Do you like Motley Crue? No. <laughs> Do you like Kiss? Do you like Crue? Okay, 10 seconds to love. Look, if I'm going to nitpick anything, uh, it will be, I, I will agree on you with the little the little reach down low, slide it in real slow kind of stuff. He's trying. I get it. It's not very well done, but it's not horrible. But again, it's another song driven by the drums and the riffs of the guitar. And like Zeus said, I don't care if it sounds the same. I want to hear it because it's fucking awesome. <laughs> so I love this song. I lo- and I love the I love the kiss reference. I love the love gun references. I mean, come on. How can you not love that? Um, no, it, it's and the thing I like about this song, too, as somebody who's obsessed with drums and, and drumming, and especially Tommy Lee on this album. I love that during the, the verses, you're hearing pretty much just the drums and then the riff. And then, like, there's not a lot going on during the during the verse. Like Nikki Six is like really doing nothing during the verses. It's just Tommy driving the song. And then it kicks in with another gang chorus. Um, I, I, I'm a big, big fan of this one. 10 seconds of love. So obviously Nikki six, but Vince Neil jumps in on gets lyrical credit on this one. Um, I can't say enough about this song. This is one of the songs that I was fucking like got into air drumming, not guitar, but the guitar is incredible on this. And in my mind would be like, Oh, I'd be a guitar. But then on this section of the song, I'd play the drums on it. It is such a fucking badass song. The gang vocals are what do, does it for me too. I did, mm-hmm. you know, it's better than fucking knock them dead kid. 10 seconds to love. Oh my God. Yep. This song fucking kicks ass. I love it. The love gun lyrics, the drums, the guitar, the vocals. And I always just uh, 10 seconds to love is this is their, Mr. Speed, why is that a good thing? The 10 <laughs> seconds not. of love. Hey, you ready? I'm going to give you 10 <laughs> seconds of love. You'll never fucking 10 <laughs> seconds. Like, well, yeah, 10 seconds. <laughs> That's, That's all, all I got. Yeah. That's all I got. Um, but in the solo kicks ass, I'll disagree with you on this. The breakdown is fucking awesome. I love that little wow. groove in the drums. Okay. And then if Vince starts singing. And the kids, you can hear the drums going, and it's just yeah, everybody's and then the chorus too. Ten seconds to love, and That's then cool. you got it, you got it. Boom, ten sec. Oh my god, this song fucking rocks. And yeah, it's kind of similar to 
uh, the previous song, but I think it's a step above. Yeah. Um, but be careful because there's danger around the corner. Danger. So I'll start with Tommy is absolutely the hero of this track. Because besides that, this is one of the worst Motley Crue songs ever, ever made. Vince singing a pseudo mid-tempo ballad does not work. I barely tolerate Home Sweet Home because of the melody. Tom Worman had to be in the room saying, are we really putting this? whiny danger on the album are we actually doing this like this is 80s alice cooper's at its worst brutal you could have ended at 10 seconds to love you could have just just stop with this danger shit oh my god you like shout the devil (laughs) this is i mean at, by this point in the record, I was done with Vince. I'm like, not only does this song absolutely suck, but then Vince is still singing it, which just makes me matter. And matter. <laughs> this is why I love these episodes. They change. <laughs> You're like, they got one more track. Did they change the singer on this track? No, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. All right. So. Sonny, you're a little bit too harsh here. Okay. First of all, I'm happy that it's the last song on the album uh, because it's not it's not it, it's not nearly as bad as Sonny is painting it out to be. Not nearly as bad. I will say this. I don't like what's going on in the first verse. You sounded like, like Bill Cosby there. I don't like. I wouldn't <laughs> like to talk to you. Do you about the song Danger. Like when he's like, you know, when he's talking about like all my best friends died and then he's like, I lost my like all right no 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 and then the 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 the, the pre-chorus i think is kind of cool it's like i'm a wildcat shotgun blast like that kind of but then the chorus like danger oh you're in danger when the boys are around oh <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the boys the wild boys are back in the streets oh no bad boys running oh no bad boys are running wild in the streets and they're in town 
no. But after all that, now I, I say after all that, the song's half over. But after all that, I like how then it kicks into a regular ballad. It turns into something that if 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 in 1983, the power ballad really wasn't a thing. It didn't become a big thing until the late 80s. So this song would have been better served on a later Motley Crue album because I think there is something there. The second half of the album, when it has a regular pace to it, I like it. I, I think it's an interesting song. I, I, I know what Motley Crue is trying to do here. I'm not going to say they did it 100% successfully. It's not nearly as bad as Sonny is painting it out to be. Um, but I think this is definitely the deepest of the deep cuts on this album because it's not a rocker. Um, but it's, it's, it's not bad. Danger written by Nikki Six. Before I get into the stuff, I want to jump on what Sonny said. Our buddy Jimmy and I and Tom would always have these kind of conversations about music. And we'd always have that one same comment. Worst singers in music. Oh, Vince oh, Neil. Vince Neil. David Lee Roth. Brett Michaels. Yep. Like, Vince. I, no, there's parts of the song I like. But when he sings, when he says, then my best friends die. It's like he can't sing it. He can't do it. His voice is talking it, and it's just, oh, my best friends died. Yeah, it's Lost like Ace. My mind. You know, Ace. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I think, like, Vince on record is great on this. I think he's great. I don't complain about this right now. Like, it's not bad. Like, David Lee Roth, I don't think, has a excellent voice. I think it works for Van Halen. But there are times you're like, dude, he can't sing anything outside of that. He's not doing anything different. He's like, a studio singer. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to sing like songs that are for him. He ain't coming out and singing fucking uh, Joe Cocker tunes. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah. So I, I still like the song. And you know what I like about it? Because it's that dirty, sleazy, fucking like Motley Crue. Like, I feel like they're describing their turf, Hollywood. Every time he says Hollywood on this song, I love it. Mm -hmm. Hollywood. And that's their area. They know about the drugs, the women, the fucking crime, the corruption, all that shit. That's their area. They can describe it. And it's a ballad about where he's growing up in the streets and all that shit. And that image of the early 80s, mid 80s, fucking hair metal scene. Nobody probably can describe it or was at the top of that game. L.A. band hair metal shit than Motley Crue. And this song kind of is a ballad about that. It's not a ballad about a chick that or it's not a ballad about going home like home sweet home. It's not that horrendous song without you. You oh, know, that's brutal. Oh well, that's God. bad. That's one of the worst fucking songs Oof. fucking I've ever heard. That's a bad uh, one. But I think Vince does well on this song. He pulls it off, except when he sounds like he's talking. Yeah. You know, and then there's a couple made a pact. Okay, settle down. You're not fucking what's the name at the crossroads? Yeah, fucking relax. we made a pact with the devil and sold our souls. If you sold your soul to the devil, you better sing better than what the devil gave you because that's a bullshit deal you got. Get a receipt for that sale. Yeah. You know, maybe Tommy got one for his cock and his drum playing, but what the fuck did you get? You got fat and you got a lousy voice. You better fucking go back to the devil and get a refund because that ain't good. So I don't know. I think it's a great song to end the, the thing with because it, it just reminds me of On With The Show, a nice like fucking yep. kind of like 
I don't know, image of, of, of loss in, in fucking dirty Hollywood era, era and stuff. I think it's pretty good. I actually like it. So those are the tracks. Before we start breaking them down and ranking them, we always like to kind of do a kind of, uh, you know, ending kind of synopsis of what you think after listening to this and uh, listening to everyone's opinion. Tom, why don't you start? Well, I went into this, you know, uh, this album has just been, like I said, part of my life since I first got out when I was 10 years old. It's always something that pops in and out of the rotation, you know, spending a concerted effort and amount of time on it. Found myself liking it even more if that's possible. I, I really spending extra time, which is what we do on, on these ARC episodes, really paying attention to the little minutia in the songs instead of just putting on the background, which is what we've probably all been doing for, you know, almost the 40 years that the album has been around. Um, you know, it's just one of those albums is very important to me. It's, you know, very nostalgic part of my part of my formative years for what turned me into a rock and metal fan. And, uh, you know, it's, it's still a huge album that I listen to today. Sonny, what about you, buddy? Um, I would say for a couple of generations, Motley Crue is rebel, dangerous, good looking, simple. Girls want to be them. Girls want to do them. Guys want to be them. Guys want to do them. They got mass appeal. They got everybody except for the serious musician who was listening to shitty Russian Pink Floyd anyway. Oh, boy. Got it. Every day that goes by, I tolerate Vince less and less and less. <laughs> oh, my God. But it's the music the and the fuck? memories, honestly, that keeps me there. Yeah. Because I am done with Vince. Like, I, I've been done with Vince ever since 1994 when the crew album came out in 94, I was done with Vince then. I've been done with Vince ever since. And then I just go to see him live to make fun of Vince, basically. That's that's what I did. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> the stupid me paying 80 bucks a show. What did he do to you? Him and Steven Pierce no, just, really scarred you. Just, Dude, they're not good. They're not good. They're just not. Nobody's saying they are. We know they're not. We know he's not good. He's like mad now. He's like, I fucking used to like crew. Then you made me review this. Now I fucking hate them. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, right. Fuck. You know what? Fuck you. But, <laughs> but it does. There's something about there's memories, MTV. You're growing up with them that you'll always be connected. It's I would say crew is a top 20 band for me. And I can't stand bits. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, that's a top 20 band for me. And I can't stand Piercy. Like it's. Yeah, no, I got you. I, I know. I hear you. So it's interesting you say that. Maybe someday we'll have a fucking live cast about that kind of shit. But Motley Crue's first couple albums and then sporadic songs in the middle and then Dr. Feelgood. And then I fell off. Um, I love this album growing up. Uh, it's one of those albums that I will look at right now and I'll say maybe Pyromania, Appetite, and uh, probably Ozzy's Blizzard of Oz were the albums I played the least before I reviewed because I knew everything on this album. That's um, exactly so, right. You know the album so well that there's times you're like, I want to listen to something different because I, I can play this album in my head. I don't need to play the music. Yeah, and it. then you would like, so I tend to know what our album's coming up and then I have it. I put it on my iPhone as ARC album playlist so that it's right there. I could always go to and I listen to drive my kid to school, drive back, any other little trips I'll take to the hockey rink or things like that. But there were times like, I fucking know this. Let me hear something else I don't know. Like, like I'm always like, I already know how awesome this is. Listening to it again, blasting looks that kill, 
10 seconds to love songs like this made me fall in love with the album again. It's just uh, an iconic album. Um, I'm happy we got to it, especially since I didn't have to waste a pick on this. And I'm glad it's like a group pick. Yep. Um, I, again, I, I, I love how Sonny is so agitated with Vince as well. Like Vince is the annoying guy in his crew. That's always late or always shows up, never has money on him. Always forgets to bring what you ask him to bring. Like what the fuck? And then he just turns around to the rest of the group. Like, dude, why do we keep inviting him? Like, you're like, Matt, he's like, why do I like Sonny Pooney talking to himself? Like, why do I keep listening to Motley? Crue? I fucking hate Vince. I want to like them, but I can't do this anymore. Like yelling at himself. He got you guys want to go see Motley Crue with me. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happens, yeah. right? Yeah. I'll be, I remember vividly, like uh, probably 95, 97, I'm watching going, why am I watching this? Why did I pay for a ticket? And then I did the very next next tour, the very next tour. I bitched about them opening for Kiss or co-headline. Did yep. I go to the show? Yes. Yep. Then I stand there going, oh, my God, what the hell am I doing here? Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's like us when we order shit from Kiss Online for the holidays. Why do we do this? <laughs> why am I doing this shit? What the fuck? And Just next- fuck them. That's why. Yeah, exactly. And the next thing, like, holy shit, they got a fucking Ace Frehley new album fucking cover on his solo album with the fucking now Santa hat on it. Oh, my God. I got to get it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I ordered it Thanksgiving. I'm getting it at Easter. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're still like, OK, what do they got next? I'm going to order from and get in four months. You know? Yep. It's the same old shit, but I, I'm a, I'm I'm a fan of this album, a big fan. And let's get to the songs and the rankings and the album, the album cover, and we'll find out how big of a fan we all are, right? Nice. So let's do it. This is gonna probably a little bit over the pl- over over the place, just simply because of what I heard Sonny say about the last couple of songs. But um, who wants to go first? I have no problem doing it if you want. Go ahead, Zeus. You kick it off. All right, number eleven. Sorry, Dom. Red hot. Oh, wait a minute. That's you have that in 11th. Yes, it's my least favorite track and I can stand it. It's OK, but that's 11th. You have in the beginning. Oh, I love higher I, than I, red hot. I'd rather listen to in the beginning. God, you know, that's why I love these episodes, because every <laughs> month there's something horrific that happens on them. Oh, my Lord. Sonny, yeah. you can you can go next. Uh, my number 11 is. Danger. Oh. My eleven this is, is Hollywood. Uh, Danger. This is Hollywood. My number eleven is God bless the children of the beast. Oh. Uh, number ten, uh, bastard. Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> number ten, knock him dead, kid. And if it was Hell's Angels, it would have been done. I'm I'm I can't process what's happening here right now. <laughs> Number 10 in the beginning. Wow. It's a freaking spoken word <laughs> thing for 30 seconds. What the fuck is wrong with the two of you? <laughs> My God. <laughs> Number nine is in the beginning. Go ahead. My Pooh. number nine's in the beginning. Is that better? Yeah. Number oh, nine yeah, for me. Sonny. Number nine for me is danger. <laughs> uh, danger for you, number nine. All right. Uh, number eight 
for me is danger. All right. That's surprising. I thought that would be higher for you. All right. My number eight is uh, God bless the children of the beast. Number eight, bastard. Nations grew weak, Tom. Nations grew weak. That's true. Number seven for me, God bless the children of the beast. I love that instrumental. I love it. Love it. Number seven for me is 10 seconds to love. <gasps> no. This is now I'm going to just say right now, this is where my rankings are all over the place because of this album and how I feel about it. So there might be an audible gasp from this ranking here, but number seven is too young to fall in love. Nope. Okay. Because number six for me is too young to fall in love. No. All right. Number six for me is bastard. Number six for me is knock them dead, kid. It's a TKO, Tom. That's right. Number five, shout at the devil. <laughs> Number five for me is uh, Elder Skelter. Hold on a minute. <laughs> Are you going to leave that in? You can fucking hear that. You can hear that. (laughs) That made it in. Did you hear that, Sonny? Oh, yeah, I heard it. (laughs) Let's just find out. Let's find out. (laughs) Sonny, what was your five? (laughs) Smith, like, cottage and throw up. Sonny, I'm sorry. What was your five? My five was Helter Skelter. Whoa! My five was Shout at the Devil. Four, Knock Him Dead, kid. All right. My number four was Too Young to Fall in Love. My number four is Ten Seconds to Love. Number three, Helter Skelter. My number three is Looks That Kill. Number three? Oh, man. Wow. I thought that would be like a clean sweep for us. Uh, Number three for me is Helter Skelter. Number two for me, 10 seconds to love. My number two is Shout at the Devil. And we haven't had this kind of differences before. I'd like to I'd like to research this, but my number two is Zeus's last one. My number two is red hot. Oh. Oof, it's red hot over here, Tom. Oh, I'm sure it is. Number one, and the obvious choice looks that kill. Number one for me, and this has happened before, is was Zeus's dead last red hot. Wow, you had it ranked number one. Excellent. Dude, you guys are fucking crazy to put that. My that number high. one was looks to kill. So have wait, have, has that happened before, Sonny, where a last has been a first? Yeah, he I uh, had yeah. Uh, Revelation. Oh. Mother uh, Earth. I was gonna say uh Mother Lovebone, maybe. Did he have Crown of Thorns last when we did singles? Revelation. Mother oh, Earth. I had he I had, had it last. last. That's yeah. right, that's right. Yeah, Sonny. Red hot, baby. All right. So what what do we got for our average there? All right, so our top four are number four, 10 Seconds to Love. Number three, Shout at the Devil. Number two, Helter Skelter. And number one, Looks to Kill. 
too young to fall in love, didn't even smell the top four. Dude, wow. one in two red hot didn't make the top four? No, because you had it number no, 11. Because, wow. because you had 11, and yeah. it adds up to 14. You had it 11. So that looks like Hill, Helter, and Shout. Nah, 10 seconds should have been above Shout, but that's all right. No, that's all okay. Right. Well, okay. that's fun. It's always great when we have different opinions. I agree. Um, let's go over to album covers. Um, anybody want to read the albums we've reviewed so far? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, let's see. So we have these are the albums we have in order. Reviewed on ARC, Appetite for Destruction, Slide It In, OU812, Super Unknown, Pyromania, Load, Peace of Mind, Bon Jovi, Blizzard of Oz, Jar of Flies, Winger, Single Soundtrack, Mechanical Resonance, Odyssey, Hailstorm, Detonator, Highway to Hell, Once Bitten, Look What the Cat Dragged In, Hotel California, Back for the Attack, 10, Bad English, Down to Earth, and now shout at the devil. And we're going to start with the uh, covers. So we want to stay in the same order here. Zeus, yeah, you can go five. first. My top five were Hotel California, Blizzard of Oz, Appetite for Destruction, Peace of Mind, Slide It In. Where am I putting this? I'm putting this at number 12 underneath wow. Back for the Attack and right above mechanical resonance wow Oof. i'm not a big fan of the look but it okay. is iconic and i you know it does put you in that mood when you see this you know what it is and you remember the era and you're using you're using the the famous the the face cover yeah not yeah the, the black, face yeah. cover not yeah. the uh not the black pentagram, pentagram. yeah okay yeah. that's what that's that's what i think we're all using yep sunny uh my top five peace of mind slided in hotel california once bitten in blizzard of oz it wouldn't have mattered whether we used the pentagram or the four faces. It would have ended up in number nine either way after highway to hell before mechanical resonance, because those other eight albums that I got in front of it are too iconic to me. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So my yes, I know what iconic means by the way. Oh, here we go. We all do. <laughs> My top five were Blizzard of Oz, Highway to Hell, Peace of Mind, Appetite for Destruction, Pyromania. Uh, I'm going to put this. I'm just I'm a huge fan of this album. And when I when I do these things, there's a lot of like nostalgia. It's not just a black and white thing for me. So I'm going to I'm going to put this actually at number six. I'm going to put it right behind Pyromania and right above uh, 10 by Pearl Jam. So I got it at number six. It's ahead of Once Bitten. Yep. That chick or fucking Mick Mars. I'm sorry. Yeah, but Vin- Vince Neal is hotter than that chick. So. <laughs> ah. All right. And now comes the good stuff. Ooh. <laughs> What's he say, Tom? Turn the page. Get to the good. Get stuff. to the good stuff. All right. Album rankings. My top five. Hotel California. Blizzard of Oz. Pyromania. Appetite for Destruction. Back for the Attack. Where am I putting this? Holy fuck. Um, this is tough. I'm not sure. I might regret this, but I'm going to put this just outside my top five underneath back for the attack and above 10. Okay. Number six for me. Okay. Sonny. 
my top five are Hailstorm, Slided In, Appetite for Destruction, Mechanical Resonance, One Once Bitten. To me, this has some really good songs, some songs I absolutely skip. I got this thing at number 14, below OU812, above Blizzard of Oz. Damn, 14. In what world is OU812 better than Shout at the Devil? Wow. Wow. All right. So my top five are Pearl Jam 10, Mechanical Resonance, Single Soundtrack, Pyromania, and Highway to Hell. Uh, This album, again, just it's tons of nostalgia. It's an album that's never fallen out of rotation. The production, I'm obsessed with Tommy Lee's drums. There are no skips on this for me at all. Danger might not be a song that I go to all the time, but it saves itself by being the last song, so I don't need to skip it technically. I don't know. Let's shock the people here. Shout the devil's going number one, baby. What? Yep. What? Yep. Number one. No way. It's too too important of an album for me. I've I've had this since I was 10 years old. Looks That Kill is one of the all-time greatest songs for me. It's a Mount Rushmore. It might even be more than Mount Rushmore. Uh, it, it, the album is just too big of a deal for me in my life as, as a rock metal fan. It's really? One. Yep. More so than the, the, the nostalgia you have for Mechanical Resonance in 10 oh, in singles and Pyromania? Oh, not even close. Really? Yep. I am shocked, Tom. I learn something new about you every day, brother. Yep. Yep. Holy Christ. Too big, wow. too big of it. This album's too big of a deal for me. Yep. All right. Well, that's our top 25. We'll have that list out and ready. Absolutely. Um, yep. What we do next is this. So staying in that same order, it's you make me rock hard. And I'll tell you what, make me rock hard. What made me rock hard was the news that broke that the original law and order was coming back. Oh, you love that. Oh, my God. I think that is the best fucking rerun show on TV. You can jump in anytime. You can watch the show. It's it's smart, it's well acted, it's fun, and you're done in an hour. And you can jump in on any season, whether whatever characters are there, you kind of know. You don't need to know, oh, that's the alcoholic dad, but he had an affair with it. Like, you don't need to know that shit. It's a new episode, boom, boom. So Dick Wolf, who does all these Law and Order things, they did 28 years of Law and Order, and then the show ended. And then while that was ending, Law and Order SVU was going on. Now Law and Order SVU has gone on longer. So it's the longest show ever. And I think it's up to 25, 26 years. I have no idea what it's up to. 22, I have no idea. Regardless, they're bringing back the original Law and Order. With that, they're bringing back the fucking, you know, Mount Rushmore and Law, Law and Order. Jack McCoy, Sam Watterson, the actor, is coming <laughs> back, a.k.a. The Eagle, from the was it the Muppets? Who's that bald eagle character? Oh, Muppets, Sam the Eagle. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking Jack McCoy. There, they're bringing him back. They're bringing back the uh, the the that funny, the fat black actor Anthony Anderson. 
he was in the last episode. He was the a lead detective in the last uh, year of the show. He's coming back. They're bringing back some newer faces. I mean, the show has been iconic. I've lived through it. I used to have a chart to make sure that I've seen every Law and & Order and SVU episode, and I've seen them all. There's nothing wow. else. Plus, they had Angie Harmon in her, in her prime. Oh, in the year 1999, 2000, when she was fucking incredible. Um, you know, everyone knows the characters. You had fucking Lenny Briscoe, Jerry Orbach, uh, yep. and they had a bunch of other. They had Fred Basset Hound Face Thompson. Remember him? <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Fucking laziest politician of all time. You mean I got a campaign? <laughs> Fuck that. Um, they had a bunch of great uh, character actors, and they all do a great show. I'm super excited for it. Law and Order, the series is coming back. I believe it'll probably start in the fall. And uh, yeah, I'm pumped. Nice. Sonny. All right. So for me, I, I'm going to talk about a podcast today. So, you know, I'm a big Vegas fan. There's a podcast called Five Hundy by Midnight. So it's F-I-V-E-H-U-N-D-Y by Midnight. And it's basically a weekly podcast about everything Las Vegas. So they dub themselves like the original Las Vegas podcast. They just released their 812th episode, by the Holy way. That's how long shit. they've been around. Wow. So the the hosts are uh, Tim and Michelle, husband and wife team. They're Vegas fans. They don't live there, but they use the podcast to kind of deal with the obsession. So what Tim does is he'll read up everything about Vegas. So he'll know who owns what? Which casinos have the best games? What are the best restaurants? Who has the best loyalty cards? What's closed? What's open? What's the new COVID protocol? Like he tells you everything you would want to know before you actually get to Vegas. And then he also opens it up to where he has a phone call slash email option where tourists that are in Vegas that are listening to his podcast can be like reviewers of, hey, I, I did really well on these type of machines at this casino if you're interested in slots. Hey, I just had the pizza at this new restaurant that's on this street, blah, blah, blah. So it's really this very touristy Vegas thingy. And I remember, well, I listen to it every week anyway, but especially during COVID, dude, I was listening every week to try to figure out what the hell is Vegas doing right now. Like this is where I found out the KISS residency was coming because he knew before they announced it. Wow. Nice. Right. So he, he keeps in touch with all that stuff. So yeah, it's called five hundred by midnight. So if you're a Vegas fan and you don't get there too often, you can just kind of listen to this podcast and keep up with what's going on there. Cool. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, uh, everybody knows those who listens to our show, uh, that I'm a big guy into horror movies, all that good stuff. And this episode is going to be dropping right before new year's. Uh, so you'll be hearing it a few days before new year's. And I'm going to bring up a classic slasher from 1980 called New Year's Evil. Yes, you heard that title correctly. New Year's Evil. I'm a huge fan of these 80 slashers. They're fun. They're cheesy. They're not very scary, but they're just entertaining. This one is this one is I love it. I love it. It stars our favorite Roz Kelly from Paul Lynn's Halloween special and also known as Pinky Tuscadero from Happy Days. <laughs> so she plays a woman who is a DJ 
um, at a nightclub in L.A. and uh, in, in Hollywood. She's doing like a countdown, you know, like what, like, you know, like the Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve thing. She gets a call from a from a, a weird guy who identifies identifies himself as the going by the name of evil. And he announces that when the clock strikes midnight in each time zone across the country, a quote unquote naughty girl is going to be murdered. And then he tells her she's going to be the last one out in Hollywood. So the movie is it's it's if you like slashers, if you like horror movies, it's got a fantastic ending, a really silly kind of twist. Um, but it's just fun. You know, it's available streaming. If you know, if you're not doing anything, you know, over the holiday break or New Year's Eve, throw it on. It's not going to take up too much of your time. It's about 90 minutes long. It's from 1980. It's called New Year's Evil. It's, it's a fun one. So check it out. Nice. All right. Well, all right. Sonny, you want to tell us where we can hear you, buddy? Oh, yeah. I'm all over the place. I'm social media, growinguprock.com, uh, podcast Rock City. I'm all over the place, but um, I do a lot of stuff. You do. You're now stu- in the middle you're a, of. You're a stuff I'm, guy. I'm sitting in a room I'm 20 miles from Lebanon. So, you know, I'm in a good place. Oh, Jesus. My God. Yeah, shout it out loudcast. So uh, Zeus and I, we are an all Kiss podcast. We drop new episodes every Saturday, Kiss related, uh, and then we have this sidecast, the album review crew with uh, Sunny joins us every month. We do one obviously non Kiss album a month, um, and this is our last group pick. Uh, starting very soon, we're going to be having the Patreons involved, and any uh, all you Patreons listening, stay tuned for instructions on what's going to happen with that next. Uh, and you can uh, reach out to us uh, via email, shoutoutloudcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're available on all the social medias. So please check us out and follow us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, and, you know, we're part of the great Pantheon podcast network of shows. So you can check us out there as well. So please, you know, let us know what you think of Motley Crue. Shout out the devil. Go back and listen to the previous ARC episodes. Let us know what you think. Uh, but we are out there and we're very active on social media and our emails as well. Yeah, and as we always say, feel free to DM us on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube, YouTube. channel. Um, that is constantly growing. And also, don't forget to give us one of those five-star child reviews. I believe now even Spotify is doing st- um, five-star reviews please feel yes. free to give us one there if you listen to us on spotify or itunes or even on Podchaser. anyway uh we appreciate that and then the email shout it out loudcast at gmail.com shout it out loudcast at gmail.com we love the email specifically for the album review crew because you guys you know there's a month between the episodes we love reading the feedback and getting into the interesting points that you guys pick up on. And usually the emails are all more, a little bit more insightful because it's time to kind of reflect on what we discussed. And usually people find this stuff a lot more fascinating. Anyway, um, before we move on, we always end up with famous last words, lyrics to these albums that we review. Um, Sonny, want to go first? He'll be the love in your eyes. He'll. Be the blood between your thighs. And then he'll have you crying for mo, mo, 
Mo. Nice. Heel doesn't sound like a nice guy. Very nice. (laughs) Very nice. The kids scream in fright through the night, loving every bite with delight. And we blow out our minds with your truth. And together we stand for the youth. Red hot. How dare you? Touch my gun. But don't pull my trigger. Let's make history in the elevator. Or lock the door. Shine my pistol some more. Here I come. C-U-M. Just 10 seconds more. Paul Stanley is like, how did I not write that? What the fuck? (laughs) He picked up the lost verse in Love Gun. Exactly. Tom, thank you. Sonny, thank you. Loudcasters, thank you. And everybody have a happy and safe new year. Happy holidays, everybody. Always a great time. Catch you in 2022. Sonny, thank you as always. Zeus, great time. Love talking about this. Uh, Sonny, your takes are terrible sometimes, but that's why we love having you here. Uh, Guys, thank you so much. We hope you had a good time with this one. And please have a wonderful and safe and fun new year. And uh, we can't wait to see what 2022 brings us. Stay tuned. Thank you. Peace out, Girl Scout.